Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. about this. Session. Report to the chat room, pin and pat a hand. 
beat it early and beat the caravan. People storm in the gate to get a plate. Them lines packed like the happy land. Either open up with the latest cuts or them rap tools. They're bought by the latest trucks. From 9 to 11, we do it in the dark. Like we used to do it in the park for the most part. From the very second that the show starts. You witness it compose off, think Mozart, huh? The love received so far has been so hard. There's a few dudes to run, but they would do the they sharp. Man, they so soft. Don't be thrown off any Zolar. Avoid them at all costs, like raccoons or skunks. But back to the regular scheduled program. The program is sponsored by Seven Heaven. What else in hell can you get an open line to heaven at 11-11? Emerge at the other end of those meditation portals and elevated walk tools. Even some abort tools. Any questions, comments, or concerns, press one. To everyone else, thanks for attending another session. I'm pleased to teach, but it's an honor to learn. Certainly, courtesy of KTL University. Oh, please don't be frightened. I'm terribly sorry about this. You are! Peace, peace. Peace to you and yours. Peace to you and yours. This is Know The Ledge Radio, and you are now rocking with the best. Yes, indeed. This is your host, Brother Blue Pill. Okay? I am joined by my co-host, Brother Red. All right? Uh, He should be checking in any minute now, family. Welcome back to Know The Ledge Radio. Okay? Get yourselves situated and settled in. Of course, um, we ask, as always, you update your statuses, send out a tweet, uh, put a post on Instagram, you know, very provocative flyer. You can find it over at Know The Ledge TV, which is on Facebook. Okay, go to Facebook and um, copy that picture, send it around, let the family know that you are rocking with the best. Here tonight on KTL Radio, we have a very special presentation put in place for you. All right, the chat room is now open. It took me a little minute to get it open. My computer's moving a tad bit slow, but nonetheless, we are here. We are back in the building. All right. Welcome back to the family. Uh, For the family that missed us, Tuesday night, we did have a, a special broadcast Wednesday evening, okay? Shout out to the KTL Empowerment family. Shout out to Shamel Bay. Shout out to Jabari Bay. Okay. Shout out to everyone that joined us that particular night. Shout out to the callers who definitely called in. Made it a very exciting conversation. Added a lot of um, layers and texture to the convo. You know what I'm saying? Definitely took it to another level, another plateau. So shout out to everyone who journeyed with us on that particular night, okay? Had a lot of fun. Did the family miss that show? Build or destroy? You might want to check out the archives and, you know, get yourselves familiar, familiarize yourselves with that show. It's definitely one that you don't want to miss, Okay? So while everyone is situating themselves and getting comfortable, 
just want to get one of these bills out of the way real quick while we at it. All right. As we await our co-hosts and uh, we let everyone else get situated and settled. All right, let me play this. Shout out to the Mooney Twins. Peace. The Mooney Twins present Trade and Get Paid. Invest like a pro with the Royal Networks Trading Academy. Trade and Get Paid. The stock market is a $4 billion a day industry. We bring Wall Street to your street. Earn extra money or get rich. Trade and get paid. Beginners pack $275.95 and $120 monthly. Learn and earn with the Trading Academy. Call the Mooney Twins at 323-328-0067. That's 323-328-0067. Trade and get paid. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Trade and get paid. Shout out to the Mooney Twins. Shout out to Royal Network. Shout out to all of the KTL family that's part of the Royal Network. I get a lot of feedback from the Moonies, and they said that there are some people uh, that have stepped forward and are very much active participants in the web portal that are part of the KTL family. So we salute you for answering the call and, um, you know, definitely stepping to the remedy that those brothers offer, the tier that they are providing. They're different tiers. They're different levels. KTL Empowerment is another tier. It's another level of the family that wants to get in in terms of, a, you know, an introductory level and get their feet wet when it comes to earning residual income. And now you can take some of that residual income and play the markets in the wealth portal and start flipping it. And there are other things that are above that level that we'll be introducing very shortly. But like all things in life, in life, you know, there are levels to this. You know what I'm saying? And um, why would we introduce something to someone that's on the fifth level if they haven't proven themselves worthy of what's on the first level? Or, you know, very much so like the caller the other night, you know, the brother said we when he put that bread down, he puts it down heavy, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, some people might want to invest at a at a uh, a larger level, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? The, the risk and the reward, we will be speaking about that tonight. Some people want to take a greater risk for a greater reward. So... For you, we don't have you um, not in mind as well. We'll be bringing forth some things that you can sink your teeth into. And um, those shows are coming up very shortly. But there's an assortment of programs available. You know, total uh, takeover, total takeover, MCA network. There is the Empower Network. They all can be found over at ktlempowerment.com. Jointhepills.com, of course. You know, it's very, very key information on our website. Not only in the financial sector, in the investment sector, you know, in the business sector, in the technology sector, but also the articles. The information that's being put out on the blog. You know, profound information, especially anybody that's into sci-fi or any of those genres, and you just need some inspiration 
like really dig into some amazing things happening in this universe. Some wonderful things. Okay, Sharkeisha is not the only thing popping in the world. Some real things going on, or, or fake uh, hand signal interpreters that are hallucinating. There's other things, or, or the president flirting. There's other things going on, or scandal. There's other things going on, or Beyonce. There's other things going on in the world, and you can find some of them over jointhepills.com. Okay? To my West Coast family, to my L.A. family in particular, all points surrounding Los Angeles. Tomorrow, December 14th, here in Los Angeles, okay, 4750 West 62nd Street, our brother, your brother, the big homie, Taj Tariq Bay, is here. He's in California, the very first time that the brother's on this coast. Okay, he's doing a lecture right now in Long Beach, LBC. No, he ain't crippin'. Brother's out there doing a lecture, Okay? Shades of Africa, I believe the spot is called. So the brother's in there doing a lecture. But tomorrow he will be in Los Angeles, the city of L.A., at 4750 West 62nd Street. All right? And the, the title of his lecture is, Why Doesn't the Quote-Unquote Black Man in America Have a Nationality? All right? So the brother will be in the building. You do not want to miss that. 3 p.m. to 6.30 p.m., for more information, if you need more information on that event, you can call 562-644-3194, 562-644-3194, all right? And this is a Sabir production, Sabir Bay production, my bad. So you want to get in tune, you know what I'm saying, especially if you've never seen Taj in person, if you've never seen Sid Delivery, his dissertation in person, you want to see that. This is a living legend. The man is very personable, very warm spirit, you know. Come out, shake the brother's hand, commune with the family that's going to be in the congregation. You understand what I'm saying? And we look forward to seeing you there. And, of course, seven heaven, soul, gold, water, more power pieces will be in the building, okay? Let me go and get my co-host from the queue. Call it from the 347-357-650. Peace. Peace, 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 peace to the family, peace to the family. Welcome to Know the Less Radio. This is your co-host, Brother Red Pill, in the building, NYC. Yes, sir, holding it down. Okay, you wasn't, like, on your computer trying to watch all of them Beyonce videos while you're supposed to be over here, right? Uh, <laughs> just checking. A good I'm one. just checking. I check on you. That's a good one. She got the internet going nuts right now. I was trying, because I was on Instagram. I was trying to figure out what, what was the hoopla about. I had to go and Google her earlier. I ain't going to lie. But, uh, oh, you ain't know? Yeah, I ain't know. No, I didn't know. Yeah, I was in the pilot seat last night. And, you know, I was plugged in. I was in the Nebuchadnezzar. I was plugged in. All of my cords was into the matrix, so I was catching a lot of the, the the heads up and the timeline. So I seen, you know, I seen something was trending, and I just uh, I just followed the lead, and I was like, oh, this is very interesting. I mean, of course, because I was I was preparing some promotional items for today, so I was 
in my design studio making flyers and stuff. And I was totally cognizant of the relevance of the day, the numbers on the day, you know what I'm saying, and it's a 44-day. So, you know, when I saw that and I went and seen her layout, I was like, okay, it's unanimous, you know what I'm saying? And I'm beyond, you know, I'm I'm truly trying to convince people of something that, to me, is is so clear. So crystal clear. I appreciate, you know, um, any form of magic, you know, whether it's number magic or what we call our mathematicians or somebody that's just adherence to a particular science, how they apply that science in the world, whether they're applying it to better their lives or better the world or do detriment to the world, you know what I'm saying? I don't really get involved with, with moral judgment too much because I know that, um, you know, just like duality is a black, you know what I'm saying? Just like duality is, is a, uh, a fiction, you know, the concepts that go along with it are also tricky, good and bad, you know what I'm saying, good and evil, all them things, you feel me? That's like Democrat okay. and Republican. Yeah, you're going to get punched in the face with both fists, you know, what's in the center, the body, the brain. People are totally missing that particular aspect of things. So, you know, I know that, um, you know, the, the, the all things that are being done are still being guided and directed by some form of intelligence. And I really get into that aspect of things, you know what I'm saying? I, I like seeing intelligence execute plans. I like seeing people be strategic, you know. I like seeing people that, that know themselves and are able to utilize themselves, the knowledge of themselves as, as sciences, you know, as instruments. And she is very instrumental when it comes to the number four, and she uses it as her instrument. You know, she's she's beating that drum. And also, for the past week, I've been watching YouTube clips about the music industry and digital media, you know, as I'm about to make my foray into, uh, you know, releasing my, my, my project next year and hopefully our project. You know, I've just been studying the industry and what's going on with digital media and how money and how music is, is being delivered these days, you know, the new ways to go about delivering music. Uh-huh. And everything that they said about the future of the music industry, she um she she demonstrated that. And not only did she demonstrate it, she did a, she went a little bit further. You know what I'm saying? Because effectively yeah. you know, and even looking at the and like I said, I had watched the the Matrix trilogy decoded over the weekend. So my whole understanding about going into the matrix to destroy the machine, you know, is, is a key component to me understanding how to fight this fight. And all of this was developed as well from me observing. Like, I meshed everything together. So what I was seeing with Mandela, Mandela and observing his legacy and see what was being said about him, what I was seeing that was going on with Booker T, all of these things, I meshed all of those things together to get a mindset about, a 2014 mindset about how to avoid particular landmines, you know what I'm saying, and how you could get further by calculated steps. You know, one step can take you a lot further. You know, how to stretch that one step as opposed to taking those those, those three or four 
or 13 or 15 tippy toes to get to that one spot. You know, take long strides, long steps, calculated. And what I saw her do with that move, you know, was effectively destroy the way that things have been done in the past. So once again, you know, the family doesn't attribute too much importance to it. Mind you, you know, they all just got finished watching Scandal when it happened. But, you know, music controls the world. You know what I'm saying? Music is, is a very part, a large part of what dictates reality because music ap- appeals to feeling. And feeling is something that transcends, you know, to three dimension. You know what I'm saying? It's fifth dimensional. You can't target it, but it affects you. It comes from a place that you can't identify, but it has a very real effect on people. And you just, music is magic. You know what I mean? Music is magic. So this person changed the way that magic is going to be done in the future, and that was very significant, you know, for me to observe. Like I said, I was just, I was digging it. I don't listen, I didn't get into the music aspect of, you know, what the content was about. I looked at some of the videos, you know what I'm saying, and they were interesting. And I noticed, you know, what I what I did notice and um, what I would make note of, and this is just in the same vein of what we're talking about in regards to empowerment, what we're talking about in regards to us being focused and diligent, what we're talking about in regards to uh, doing work and bringing our work from A to from A to B and from B to Z, is that yesterday when I was observing the timeline, I went into you know the Note Ledge uh, KTL page and I I had posted some articles, so I was in that timeline. You know the timeline where you get the corporations and the companies and the fan pages on all of those on the stream, right? Yes, sir. So you must have subscribed to Big page as a fan or something because I was getting feeds and stuff coming down from her page, and she had just did her 100th show. She had did a, her 100th show on her tour. So I'm scratching my head. I'm like, I remember that tour launched last year at the time of the Super Bowl, right? So I'm, I'm in my 44 mind because – the the super uh, there was a football game on last night Thursday night they had a Bronco game so I'm like damn it's almost time to get back into this this 44 football thing you know what I'm saying I got a message about uh, another 44 football resonator that I'm about to link with so all of this 44 and the football thing was on my mind and I saw you know the post about her doing her 100th show and I'm like damn like. That's an amazing feat. You feel me? Like, this this woman is really out there on the road putting her work in, and I'm looking at the fact that, you know, Jay is traveling and doing his work, promoting his concert and everything. And I'm like, you know, there's some people putting in work. I'm like, if our people was more focused on putting in work like that, and then I'm stepping back from this whole experience that I was having by watching Love and Hip Hop, you know, and the other shows that are part of that, you know what I'm saying, whole reality show situation, and I'm thinking about black family. I'm thinking about, you know, the image of the black man and the black woman and, and working as a unit in that particular dynamic. So I'm scratching my head, and I'm going through all of those thoughts and 
how we can approach a, a honest conversation with the family, you know, how I can develop a show. They really put some of these things on the table because we need to be forthright about some things. You feel me? Especially when it comes to, I, I want to use this analogy, changing clothes but not taking a shower. Hmm. You understand what it means? Yeah. You came into consciousness, right? And a lot right. of people change clothes. They change their garbs. They change their names. They change the way that they talk. You know what I'm saying? But did they relatively, some of them even change the way that they thought about things. But until you put into a, a particular position or a dynamic where you know that that nigga in you is dead or that person that was extremely affected by the environment that you grew up in, right, unless you know those particular things, unless you have, you know, you're, you're in a situation to challenge, to be put into a challenge where normally those things would arise and you're able now to defeat, not necessarily suppress, but defeat that nigga in you. Until you put in a position like that, you really don't know. And what I was getting by consulting with a lot of people after, you know, these experiences is a lot of people, you know, they, it's just part of their DNA and they can't get it out of them. It's almost key to their existence about who they are. Case in point, right? Because we're talking about Beyonce and we're talking about, you know, her husband Jay-Z and what have you, right? Case in point, like I was somewhere the other night, you feel me? And somebody put on Can I Live? And it took me back to a place that you feel me was so real for me because I remember that time. That song is attached to so many experiences that I had growing up while listening to that song. It's so much part of who I am that in order for me to totally delete that from my memory bank, I would be taking apart part of who I am because they're intricately interwoven and, 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 and connected. So yeah. here I am, I'm like, damn, whether I agree that, you know, homie's suspect or, you know, he's, 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 he's a, a greasy friend or a disloyal husband or a charlatan or a Satanist or, you know, any of these things that need to label or sell out, all of these labels that people put on, these particular characters that play a very important role in our lives, especially the people that are responsible for the music that becomes the soundtrack to our lives, okay? I'm like, damn, there's nothing really that I can do to get away from the fact that Homie may, has made some of my favorite music that I can't get out of my head. I would have to die and be born again, damn near. You feel me? I would have to have a total detox. Like, I would have to go to a monastery or something like that and be hypnotized on some monk shit to get some of those experiences out of my head because those experiences define who I am. They're part of ourselves to my travels. And if I exclude any experience, you know, I'm putting the entire thing in jeopardy. It's like back, back to the future. 
with Michael J. Fox from Back to the Future. Yeah, you change one minute, one moment. Yeah, yeah, you take one piece out, and so many pieces are now, you know, called into question. It's like, well, would this have happened at that on some adjustment bureau shit? Yeah, you know. I always ask people like, if you had the chance to turn back the clock, would you do anything different? But keep in mind that if you have children or if you have a loved one that you met along that path or, you know what I mean, like all of those things have to be into the equation. Are you willing to change that or are you willing to even lose that if you were to change that small thing, you know, like save somebody who may have lost their life or, you know, may you may have not wanted to meet a certain person. You may, I, I don't I, I wish I never answered the phone. You know what I'm saying? I wish I never opened up the door and met this girl or met that guy, you know. So I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. So with that being said, you know what I mean, um, I'm stepping back from it and I'm like, whoa, you know, I would be a fool to deny the influence that these particular people have on people's lives, you know, and I'm identifying with myself personally. So what I would walk away with as a summation to what I experienced in her demonstration last night is I would say, family, can we consider this? Here's a woman that was touring the world on a tour. In between that tour, she had the time, whether she recorded that music fresh or not, whether those were throwaways from other studio sessions, she shot videos for every song and was able, right, because y'all calling her Illuminati, she was able to keep a secret or she was able to have other people keep her secret. Now, if that shit ain't Illuminati, I don't know what it is, but to a degree where it should be respected, not where it's no boogeyman stuff. I'm just saying, like, it was a perfectly executed plan where the magnitude of it will have such a reverberating effect on the future of a dynamic that affects everyone's life. Now, everyone that's an independent artist should be rejoicing because they just reset the rules, okay? You can go directly to your fans. Your job now is to build your fan base. You don't need no middlemen. Your promotions are not necessarily needed. Go directly to your fans, create your product, create your content, and release it. I want to shout out another brother, Nipsey Hussle, man, like I said, just studying his movement and seeing his interviews and seeing how he intrinsically knew exactly what he was doing and remembering the conversations I had with him in 09 where he was like, P-Moore, as we call him, right, my name was P-Moore back then. P-Moore, I'm just focusing on the brand. He's like, everything is about the brand right now. You know what I'm saying? He was like, if these labels don't move, that's on them. That don't stop what we got to do. He was like, let's build the brand. It's all about the brand. The brand is everlasting. Okay? Brand is it's the same thing that anyone that's listening, yeah, to, that has a business, you know, that you, you have a, a personage that you want to turn into a brand, you know, if you have information like, that you want to brand, know. you know. That's what I'm saying, family. Like, even if it, 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 keep it, align yourself with an artist for a moment, all right? I know some people get uncomfortable with that whole analogy, but, you know, let's just, let's be, let's use our our, big, our best nation is our okay? So the artists are contracted to corporations, 
you, Clark Kent and Peter Parker, are contracted to your plantation or corporation, your nine to five. But that does not define you. That does not make you who you are. These corporations that some of these artists are contracted to do not define them as well because, as you see, they could hop around from different corporations. But that doesn't make them who they are. They came in. They're still who they are. They're still their brand. So you may have a talent or a skill or an idea or a product, and your job or your nine-to-five does not define you. That's not your brand. You are your brand. So what I'm saying is you utilize the position that you may be in at your corporate uh, or your nine-to-five. You could be flipping fries. But if you could take the money or the, the um, commerce or the currency that's earned and begin to put it towards your brand, to, put it towards your you branding yourself or what it is that you do, then you have a greater chance of doing what will have come to this earth to ultimately do. I was having this conversation with A.A. Rashid's younger brother last night Lighthouse, we was in the studio, you know what I'm saying, I can't even talk about, I'm on my Beyonce right now, I can't even talk about what's going on, but, you know, it was monumental, but we were speaking about being immortals, you know what I'm saying, we were talking about the, 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 the art of being an immortal, okay, the fact that we have all come here to do what, what do we come here to do, you can't, you, I, I hope you haven't come here just to work a nine-to-five and just die, you know what I mean? Like, just work until you turn 65 and, like, die at 66. You haven't done anything to brand yourself, to make yourself an immortal, to leave anything behind that won't be spoken of when you're gone, all right? That's the art. That's the power of branding, okay? We want our legacy to live beyond, you know what I mean, our short years, our, our limited time span on this earth, because too, not too many people could live past 100, but your brand could live into infinity. They're talking about Michelangelo. They're talking about the Medici's. They're talking about all kind of Mansa Musa. That, that's who we started our conversation with about Mansa Musa. It doesn't matter. You could be in the 27 Club. It doesn't matter when you check out. It matters about what kind of work that you put onto this planet that will make you an immortal. Tupac will forever be spoken of the same way that Tupac. He's spoken of more than the, two, the original Tupac from the, the Incan Tupac, you know what I'm saying, for the work that he's put in. He died at a very young age. So it's not about some people are living to 99, 100, and they will never be spoken of after they check out. You know what I mean? So it's about coming here and making an impact like that. When you study African tradition, they speak about being an immortal, you know what I mean, that the power of always being spoken of through the aura, through the, through the tongue, you know what I mean, keeping your memory alive through the mouths of other people, you know what I'm saying, that the day that the, the last person utters your name, that's the day that everything ends for you, you know. So learn, don't, don't even if you're stuck in a position where you're not really, you know, oh, man, I'm in my nine-to-five, I don't feel, no, Clark Kent was working his nine-to-five and he was Superman after work, putting in that work. Like, don't don't let that define you. Brand yourself. Brand your movement. Brand your product. 
brand your skill. If you are artist, create the best art possible at this time. We live in a wonderful time right now. We live in one of the most beautiful. I mean, if, if you're not wearing those glasses, you you may not be able to see it. But we live in such a beautiful time for you to become immortalized at your own, and that the power is in your own hand. There was never a time. Yeah, on your, so, on your terms. On your terms, family. On your terms. You can make it or you can break it. I'm immortal. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, my, my shit is stamped. And we haven't even completely done what we have come here to do. But if I was to leave tomorrow, you know, we're going to have an impact. It's, it's going to be spoken of. You know what I'm saying? I still feel like there's much more to do because, you know, that that's the contract that we signed to come back here and do the work, you know. But everybody has a part to play, you know what I'm saying? There's no shortage of legends. There's no shortage of immortals. There's room for everybody that we live in. We are all galactical beings. Look how expansive the universe is. You have to have, you know what I'm saying, you ring. You have to be able to ring bells and multi-universes from the work that you do in this theater right here. This holographic universe, this shit, this shit uh, reverberates everywhere. Believe me when I tell you. So put in that work. Get with those who are working. You you don't have to do it by yourself either. You know what I'm saying? You can right. brand yourself by, you know, so, you could become a brand by joining other brands and doing what has to be done. Right. So, I so what I what I want to leave it with is, like I said, I want to applaud the sister's work ethic. She's a wife. She's a mother. She's an entertainer. You know what I'm saying? She's a brand. And all of those things, she was able to put all of that ingenuity into um, developing a package in secrecy. You know what I'm saying? And she was able to execute it expertly. You know, 10 days supposedly into a 20-day fast, a 22-day fast, you know, nine days after, you know what I'm saying, homie's 44th birthday, here she come on her fourth floor, you know, shocking the world, changing the world for the dynamic of how the music industry is, 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 is operating. And if you don't think that the music industry has a very big part to play with the world, put the phone down, go outside, and tell me what you see. <laughs> But if you think the music industry ain't got nothing to do with that, and I ain't talking about, you know, if you live in Boulder, Colorado, you get a pass. But if you're in anybody's hood right now, they go out there, you know what I'm saying, and take a fair assessment as to what you see going on. And the music industry is partially, partially responsible for that. Because like I said, music lives in the fifth dimension. You know, it's, it's permeating and it's affecting people's feelings. And your feelings are very much... You know, when that's hitting up your 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 your, your field, your auric body is changing who you are. You know what I'm saying? It's changing who you are. But um, I know that I could bring forth somebody. Yeah, I I know I know I could bring forth somebody that could tell it to you better than I can. You know, because I might be missing a point or two. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I want to bring one of my elders. On that note, I want to bring forth one of my elders one of our teachers, one of our esteemed elders, you know what I'm saying? If my father has many mansions, 
this brother, you know what I'm saying, has the mansion on the hill. You dig what I'm saying? One of the shiniest mansions, one of the biggest mansions on the hill. So we present to you a brother that needs no introduction, but nonetheless, we open up the lines and bring forth at this time Dr. Delbert Blair, caller from the 708-422. Peace. Thank you, and peace to you. And that was a very interesting part of the conversation, Icon, as you stated. When you look out, when you look up, what do you see? And, you know, I would say this. I have had people in the same area to look up. Each one saw different things, <laughs> and most of them did not see what I thought they'd see. That is changing because the young now are becoming older, hopefully wiser. Age does not bring wisdom, but it does bring knowledge. And then hopefully knowledge brings wisdom. And that's one of the reasons I'm so grateful again to you for letting me share your esteem audience. And I'm not being a joke when I say that, nor am I being facetious. It's a heck of a time in what we call this holiday season. And so what I'm doing, I'm giving a telephone conference, and it's based on love. But it's a different kind, and I want to kind of go over some highlights because I had some people and they said, well, you ought to, if the brother gives you an opportunity, you ought to explain it. So I'm going to take a couple of minutes to explain that with your permission. And it's a season and love is in the air. You got straight love, you got gay love, you got homosexuality, you got heterosexuality, you got racial love, interracial love, you got compatible astrological and incompatible astrological love. Elders in love, juveniles in love, older young people, young people loving elders, international love, energy denominational love, as you're now getting Catholics and Christians and even Jewish and Jew, you know, going differently, denominational love, people who love animals, animals who love people, spiritual love, sexual love, what's right in love is what I say, and what's wrong in love, and what is love, and this is what it gets down to what we're going to do tomorrow, what is love? The only way that I can ever explain anything to its fullest is using metaphysics. Without metaphysics, nothing on this planet makes sense. If you're looking at just the domains of the so-called intellectual and the astute, you're not going to get anywhere. But once you can get into metaphysics and deeply into it, everything begins to make sense. Everything begins to have a common denominator. So to the, off, uh, to the offering uh, of explanation, comprehension, and understanding and solutions, and this is what I have up on the internet again, we're going to hold this telephone conversation, this telephone conference, and it's only going to be as good as the many of you who decide to put in your two cents all the way up to your hundred cents and let us understand what you're thinking again. I think everybody should want to tune in tomorrow because what I'm entitling it is Mates, Twin Souls, and Soulmates. Now, you can have love, sex, and happiness, and everybody's looking for that during the holidays. And actually, the holidays begin with Thanksgiving. And this is where it starts off with a bad foot in the first place, because at Thanksgiving, everybody gathers around all kind of foods. You might have a family with 150 people. You might have a family with six people. But nine chances out of ten, people will eat differently nowadays. Those that are wise get raw foods. Those that are wise eat less. Those that are wise also don't drink with their meals, but they get lots of water otherwise. Otherwise, you got what? Turkey, dressing, pork, beef, chicken, everything else you can think of. Over-seasoned this, overdone that, over-sugared this, and now you have to come together. So one common denominator is when you eat that much food, you can drink. So here's now a perfect excuse to go and drink. 
Now, when you start drinking, maybe people you haven't seen in your family in a year, they're family in name only, but you don't run with them. They're not your buddies, most of them. So now they've all got to come together. Some are jealous. Some are, are already angry because of inter- I'm sorry, because of interfaith and anything's going on in their life. But now everybody's got to put forth this face for pretense. Comes in the liquor, and the truth starts coming out. Most people go on the couch and go to sleep because they ate too much. But then comes that little jab here and there. And what winds up is this leads into the big time of love, seeking happiness, and seeking sex. And that's from Christmas to New Year. Now, you already started off with the bad foot with the family. Now you've got to find love, happiness, and sex. Everybody's got to bed somebody. Everybody's got to love somebody. Everybody's got to go out and party in New Year's. And so now you're getting people at their worst knowing that the first of the year they got to go back to what they really are, and this is why you get these New Year's resolutions, which most people don't keep. But at this time on our planet, the new year has already started. The new year is the new age. And if everybody gives me credit, last year, when it was December 21st, I was telling everybody, don't worry about the Mayan calendar. It's not going to happen. They don't even understand the calendar date. They don't even know what year it is. And forget about that. But I said, you better watch 2013 because it's a year of death. I don't think I need to say more. People are still dying over in Syria, over in Africa. Millions of people, billions of people have left already, and this is not the new year yet. The thing is, the beginning of consciousness of the universal mind is when you can begin to expand consciousness and maybe make it through. Whether we make it through in the flesh or not is not important. If you have a soul, you can't die. And as I state, people don't be worried about death. He said, well, you're worried about death. No, I'm not. I was at one time, and then at one time I didn't even care. I wanted to die. But here's the whole point again. Every night you die. You go out of your body every night. Some people practice in remote viewing. Some people are astute enough to have astral protection, but you die. And you live dreams, and these dreams are other lifetimes, but you think they're only dreams. Well, as we get into next year here, this prediction, you're going to remember dreams, and the dreams are going to be not only prophetic, but they're going to be authentic. They're going to affect everything you do when you really go to sleep, which is when you wake up. Now, I hope I'm not confusing. I don't think your audience can be confused. So this is why I'm saying what we're going to cover tomorrow is setting the stage. Well, what do you really want? Is it really love, sex, and happiness during the holidays? Or is it that you're seeking a mate, a twin soul, a soulmate, or finding out about your own soul, which makes every day a holiday, a holy day, a day of discovery, a day of consciousness? So this is why I'd like for your audience, if they will, if you can share them with me for a couple of hours tomorrow, tomorrow to go to our website, chime in, if you will. It's only I have to charge because, as I say again, I'm not well taken care of. <laughs> the government doesn't like me. So I have to live off that little $10 for a while that it costs for the conference again. But I try to give back more than what you give on that one. And the more participants, no matter which side of the fence you're on, the better it will go over because you get a diversity of opinion. And those who are afraid to speak up can listen to others say what they're thinking. And usually we get to be better for it. I'm going to make sure we're better for it because we're going to look at these whole things about the astrological signs. We're going to look at what twin souls really are. And then... And I'm going to give this one away. Oh, I also, now I can do one or two things here, too, because I don't want to monopolize tonight, and I'm very grateful for you giving me the time you have. One of the things I want to cover at the beginning of tomorrow's presentation is this thing about triskaidekaphobia, since this is Friday the 13th. Now, if 
it, it, if it's kind of a bait to do it tonight and it's time, I can do it. But either way, I'm content because uh, you've given me a share of your audience. These are things we can cover. And, of course, as usual, I never like to overstay my time nor outwear my usefulness, but I thank you very much for the opportunity. And from this point on, you'll be the guide. You can get into some of it, brother. Okay. Well, on Friday the 13th, of course, it's said to be Bad Luck Day. And they talk about black cats. They talk about windstorms. They talk about the hoot owl that can twist his neck all the way around. They talk about uh, all kind of different things. And it's supposed to be a time of bad luck and so on and so forth. Well, this is our second Friday the 13th this year, which is not by guess and it's not by chance. Friday the 13th is just another day. The number 13, yes, numerological is four and all of that, and I'm quite aware of it, but it's just another day. But whatever you put emphasis on, whatever you put consciousness to, and whenever you use knowledge without wisdom, you then follow the horde of people, the multitude. The multitude never does the same thing at the way, but the multitude, in some cases, gets the circumstance. They get the press, they get the radio, they get the TV, and so we fall into that trap. The actual Friday the 13th comes from a concept that there was a 13th planet. You said, well, there never was even nine planets. Yes, there were. All systems on this side of the galaxy, and by the way, we're leaving this side of the galaxy after the first of the year, have a system of 12 planets. We've been taught nine because we are irregular. We've been taught everything on this planet that is irregular. But most, planets had, most systems had 12 planets. There was a 13th planet. And this happens only once, like you'd say it on the 13th or so. And there was a 13th planet with a moon. When we get into higher systems, there becomes less planets. When you get into lower systems, there are more planets because these are classrooms, and it takes more to learn on a lower plane than it does as you get to a higher plane. One of the things that happened is that this particular planet was called Maldek. And Maldek had a circular moon called Mulona. There were life forms on both of these, one an invasive life form that came from another galaxy that took over the moon, and the people on Maldek and the people on the moon had great battles. And at one time, they gave what was what we hope will never happen again. They broke the boundaries. They sent it out of orbit, both of themselves, and they blew each other up. That demolished both a planet and a moon. That is the 13th planet. That's where we get triskaidekaphobia, the fear of the number 13, because what happened after that has set everything back in this system and even influenced this galaxy. Since everything is mind, mind ripples affect everything that is in the consciousness of the universal prime creator's mind. So here we go down the line. When that happened, there was a lot of water on the moon and a little water on Maldek itself. All of that came as a great flood. And all this disintegrated matter, which was already done with life forms blown apart, which meant the life forms there were going to hysterics. So the mind of that planet, the body of that planet, the system of that planet was all evil. And as it came rushing through, it actually altered everything in our solar system, from Jupiter to Saturn, and especially the planet Mars, which still shows a devastation. And, of course, there had been a battle before that on Mars, but this, this, this just kind of took it over. And when it came by there... It almost shunted Mars out of existence, too. And Mars had, the Martians had to put up, and yes, there were people living on Mars, Phobos and Deimos. Uh, Phobos is, fo is fear, and Deimos is panic. So these were put up in panic and fear. But fortunately, there were advanced scientists there that knew that this was a potential possibility. Some had already left Mars and gone on to Andromeda, Arcturus, and uh, places like that. 
Others had already left and come to earth in places like that. But the bulk of them had to go inside, and they were smart enough to, say, put up these counter-rotations, orbit, again, of uh, um, what they call grade and retrograde, to balance out Mars. But then now, as it was before and especially now, the intelligent life of Mars had to go inside. And, of course, there had been visitors to Mars since that time, too. All the rest of that flood came down into our Earth. And before that time, our Earth had only fresh water. With that one came the carnivorous and the salt water and the creatures that lived that were evil on this planet. And that's why the great grade between salt water and fresh water, between what we call our oceans, and up until that time, as I say, we had only fresh water. So based on that, there was a race of creatures that came through that volunteered to come and to rule this new salt sea and to make sure that the creatures there and the eggs there of these carnivorous-type things would not take over the ocean and the freshwater things. And they were the dolphins. And this is where you would see dolphins on pyramids. You see dolphins throughout everything on Mars and everything here, too, because it is a dolphin race that volunteered to come and balance out the evil that was brought to Earth in the oceans. And now, of course, we're getting retribution because when they start slaughtering dolphins, you're taking away your protecting angels. So, so much with that when that story could go on and on. As you know, I do the whole history of Earth from the metaphysical point of view, which is much different from what was ever taught me in classes and much different from most of the brothers and sisters that I hear teaching you to. But I wanted to share that, too, and, of course, I thank you for that opportunity. Oh, absolutely, Dr. I want to share some information with you that came across my desk yesterday. I promised the family on Facebook that I would um, share this with you and get your thoughts on it. Um, Time Memorial, as you've been coming on the show and as you have been doing your lectures, things of that nature, you have been speaking about, you know, pretty much just what you were talking about just now. Um, which you were also speaking about life in the inner earth um, and at some point uh, how life originated in the inner earth as opposed to on the surface of the earth, correct? Yes. Okay. Can I read you an excerpt from this article that was published yesterday? Of course, my brother. And again, we know when it comes to the scientists, you know what I'm saying? The scientists got a delta meter, and they're always four, five, six, seven, or eight steps behind the good Dr. Delta Blair. So we can have a show, a show alone about all of the quote-unquote scientific discoveries that have come forth and give credence to what Dr. Delta Blair has been speaking of for the last 30 or 40 years. But nonetheless, this would be the latest one. The scientists say... Life on Earth may have been developed below rather than above ground, revealed scientists. How life on Earth came into existence is still one of the greatest mysteries in science, but new research into the deeper biosphere indicates that the first replicating life forms on the planet may have originated deep underground rather than, as commonly believed, on the surface. (laughs) Scientists have now discovered microbes living and reproducing as deep as five kilometers which is 3.1 miles below ground, and studies have shown that they are likely to have survived in complete isolation from the surface biosphere for millions and perhaps even billions of years. One of the latest studies into the deep biosphere has found that these microbes form a distinct subsurface community 
of genetically similar individuals despite living on opposite sides of the world. This global similarity of such an isolated life form suggests that they may have evolved directly from a common ancestor that lived as long ago at the period when life on Earth originated some 3.5 billion years ago. Now, yeah, I think I'm going to stop there. <laughs> and the family, you can find that article on jointhepills.com. Yes. So what are your thoughts well, on, um, you know? Uh, as usual, they theater. treat us like kindergartners, you know, like, a, like a substitute teacher that doesn't have to face the classroom the next day. Stupidity, <laughs> ignorance, personified life forms. First of all, the planet is 4 billion years old. History, as you understand right. it, is nothing. It's a drop in the bucket. Third, it was created from the inside out, and the inside has a central sun, as all nuclei do, and everything in creation has the same thing. And the reason why now we're going through so many earth changes is because our earth is going to higher dimensions. The earth needed help from a sun. That's why any planet that is not not quite evolved yet must have a sun. That's why they'll tell you there's nothing new under a sun. But that sun has this correlation in another sun. It's the nucleus of this planet. So there's another sun inside, and it's absorbing all of these CMEs. It's not destroying the Earth. It's causing Earth to vibrate faster and faster. And thank the Creator that it is, because the faster it vibrates, the higher the frequency, the more that our despicable, draconic, Influence. Um, I, don't even, I can't even get words enough, despicable enough, and all of these Illuminati that serve them and follow them and try to kill us and hurt us, they got to go. And this is why I say this was a year of death. It's going to continue to the year of death next year. But then will also come new forms. And as we now tune to this new sun, which is going to drive away our mortal enemies because they cannot take sunlight, they cannot take magnetic energy, and they know what they're talking about. They're already digging underground down there and fighting amongst each other, trying to hide from the truth because the truth is that they got to go. So, no, that's a foolish kind of a thing. What they're doing is to make you back to talk about amoeba when you have creatures down there that are giants. There are creatures down there that are elves and hobbits. That's why they're coming out with these movies. You've got creatures down there that deform, chimera. You've got everything inside the earth. And believe me this, all intelligent life lives inside of a planet when it reaches its astute quality. And our whole planet, thankfully now, is going to vibrate faster. Yay for the new CMEs coming in. Boo on those who are trying to make and belittle us like little babies, as though they were the ones that are the masters. But the master will serve the servant because the servant is humble and the master is too elite to let the creator even reach them. The stupidity on that article, but at least it hints at the truth. Indeed, indeed, indeed. I had to get some clarity, and I know that you would bring that forth. So, you know, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Blair. Well, I thank you very much for allowing that. I thank you very much to allow the audience, and I would like to give out, again, if I may, please, my number. And uh, what I want yes, to do, please, uh, please. the number for the Meta Center, its phone number is 708 422 6685. I hope people grab pencil and paper or so or have good memories or recording your show, whichever again. That's 708-422-6685. The website is www.themetacenter, that's the word meta and center, push the number two dot com. That's www.wideworldweb, themetacenter2.com. If they go there, 
They can sign up for the telephone conference there. What they do is to sign up, call back at 708-422-6685 with the registration number. We'll then give them the access code uh, for that. And what I like to do off the air is to give you the full code, and then if there are some certain individuals there that you know that for some reason or other can't afford it, you want to give it to, you can pass it on. I would only hope the rest of you support me with 10 bucks, if you will. Four goes to PayPal, six to me. So I can pay the rent and so, because as you know by now, the government attacked my site again and took it down. Because I start talking about the brothers that had crop circles. I talk about the people that are technically in, in, invaded and stuff. I start talking about the brother that drove his 18-wheeler into the underworld. So they just keep attacking me. So without you guys, I am nothing. That's a way of giving me back six cents anyway. And hopefully we can then share some other information about really what a mate is, what a twin soul is, and what a soulmate is. And I thank you very much. Only with your participation can it be a success. And I thank you again for being broad-minded and spiritual enough to continue to help me. Thank you, brother. We love you, Dr. Blair. And, thank you um, very much. I just have a very brief request of you. I would like you to bring forth either one or two individuals. I would like to have the brother that drove his um, 18-wheeler into Middle Earth on the program and or the brother that you said wrote the uh the Willie Lynch letter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we wound up falling out because he I questioned him too much and I didn't mean to do so. Yeah, I have to see if I can recontact these brothers. They're yeah, both of them again. Oh, yeah, okay. they're, they're very interesting. If so, I'll definitely get them to you, or at least I'll. I, should I screen them first, or just give them, let you just go cold, or what? Um. Well, we can speak to them together. You know what I'm saying? And and I mean, if if it's something that you're not feeling, then um, I don't I don't see the need or the necessity to bring them forward. But if it checks out with you, then yeah, please send them forward. Well, like I said, the brother that drove the truck, yes, I would. And, again, I have to get his number again. The other brother, as I say again, um, I don't know. Uh, he may, he may, as long as it's not me <laughs> because of that. Well, anyway, let me find out. Your request would be my command, and we'll see what the creator brings to the whole thing again. I think they would be interesting guests. They were for me. Absolutely. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you again, my brother. Creator bless. Oh, and I can say, uh, I'll call back. How should I leave this, um, the number there? Um, call back later or, you know, the number for those uh, you want to pass on that, 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 that can't afford the access code. Yes, you could either, you could either text it to either one of our um, personal phone lines um, or you know, I, I will be diligent enough to call you after the program is over or early in the morning. Either way, my brother. Yeah, I just want to make sure you have it again, and I hope again that your audience gives me enough respect to uh, help sustain me, and also let's see if we can accomplish and get some wisdom, even as we go through the age of unreason. There's still wisdom to be shared, and it might help a lot of people through these holidays, you know, uh, when all these family people who shouldn't be together are, and everybody's still looking for that love, sex, and happiness. So we'll try to handle on the high road, and I appreciate, again, your, your audience and your sustaining. Absolutely. We appreciate you. Thank you, Dr. Blair. Thank you, Creator Bless. Peace. Peace. Yes, indeed. Good doctor.
Good doc, doc, double glare. Red, yeah. Red, red. Okay. As I wait for the brother to get his thing together, and as we await our um, guest for this evening, Brother Oba, again, family, yeah, I want to say thank you. Yeah, I want to say take this time to say thank you for joining us. And um, just wanted to make sure that my, my point was clear about what I was speaking on earlier in regards to the, the brother, you know, talking about the time period that we're in, and I'm talking about the work that needs to be done. And I'm also identifying the fact that people work at their own speeds, people work at their own levels, you know what I'm saying? People uh, individually make their own contributions because that's how you were born into this world. We, we, we all have our different marching orders, you know what I'm saying? And um, just because we're looking at an individual like a Beyonce or a Nipsey Hussle or a Jay-Z, you know what I'm saying? These individuals are unique unto themselves, and they're able to carry out whatever their particular manifesto is, you know, whatever is encoded within them to achieve the way that they're achieving or the level that they're achieving. So the fact that the sister could be doing a tour around the country and around the world and film videos for every song and, you know, record an album and be a mother and be a wife and, you know what I'm saying, be an icon and, you know, and all those other things that she's doing, just because she's able to do that don't mean that we expect everyone else to be able to, uh, you know, their output to be on that particular level. But what I'm saying is that I have a tendency to just be a little bit more optimistic these days than I have in my previous days. And I, I like looking for the positive and things. I like looking for the inspiration. It's the KTL empowerment in me that, you know, I always look for the silver lining, you know what I'm saying? So if nothing else, I just look at situations like that as inspiring to say, wow, like, you know, we can put that work in too, you know what I'm saying? And our production, our output could be that phenomenal, you know what I'm saying, and, and upstairs where it needs to be as well. You know, some of us struggle with just shooting one video, you know, let alone 14 or 15. You know, some of us struggle with asking for $10. Some of us struggle with even asking the family for donations for this program, a dollar apiece. But Nipsey Hussle is not shirking to ask his fans and his audience for $100 for his CD, and he's getting it. So you got to know your worth. You have to know what your product is worth. You have to know, you know, what your, your personal worth is. You have to know what your fan base, what their value is, you know, as much as you value and love them, it should be the same way that they value and they love themselves. Family, we love you, you know what I'm saying, or we wouldn't be doing this. This is a labor of love. Just the same way I expect what we are giving to you to be returned, you know what I'm saying, in full. And that's not always dealing with monetary value. You could be putting somebody onto the program. You can write a positive post about the program after the program. 
You know what I'm saying? You can share it to those that you love and honor. It's bits and pieces of the segments of the program that you want to get to specifically because there might be some things said earlier in the program that you don't want to expose your audience to or your friends to. There might be language that you don't agree with. Just play them the piece that they need to hear. You know what I'm saying? But push it forward. Pay it forward. You know? And that's how we keep the cycle moving. That's how we reciprocate and, and, and keep this, this energy moving and open. So I don't want to waste any, any more time. I want to get into tonight's episode and bring forth our guests so we can talk about energy. We can talk about the movement of energy. We can talk about spirit. We can talk about a lot of things that people might not have concrete answers to, and we could also at some point allow the, the audience to call in and participate you know, so you can know, so you can find out and be in the know, and you don't have to be speculative for the rest of your life, okay? Because the people that are on the fence are the ones that are easily swayed, you know? But we want the family to be firm in their convictions and in the know. So let me read tonight's description, then I'm going to open up the line and bring in tonight's esteemed guests. Join Nogales Radio for another unprecedented demonstration in audio excellence. We open the airwaves and roll out the red carpet to welcome back African spiritual practitioner, Brother Oba. What is the price of sacrifice? Does the risk outweigh the reward? Are quote-unquote black people as a collective spellbound? Is there such a thing as a bloodless revolution? Tune in tonight for an informative conversation with one of our premier tacticians, a brother who has dedicated his life to the preservation and proliferation of our sacred African spiritual sciences. Okay. With no further ado, Red, you there, right? Call up from the nine seven three eight zero three. Peace. Peace. There you go. What's going Peace. on? How you out there, man? Oh man, doing wonderful, man. Doing wonderful. You know what I'm saying? Everything has been magical thus far. And I know that, you know, I'm strapped in. Seatbelt is on. I know we're about to take off. So I'm cool, man. Yeah, man. I, I want to start off with um, shouting out, first of all, you you know, Lord Red for um, having this platform for information for the people. Um, I got to shout out my guy, Brother Chris, man. If it wasn't for him, y'all wouldn't even have a, a taste of me because he's the one who, um, you know, instigated me and is even bringing this to the greater public. Um, I yeah. got a shout out shout to out Brother Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Brother Chris is, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's behind the scenes. You know, a lot of people don't realize a lot of the conscious, you know what I'm saying, movement. And, you know, he's been behind it, you know what I'm saying, since day one. Um, he has been through. Off the work of uh, 2000, the, the 2000 era, Phil Valentine and Bobby Hammond, Black Dot, AA, uh, Asia, um, a whole bunch of people. Then there are some brothers that are behind the scene. They're, they're bricklayers. They are the uh, what, did, what, what was the dude that worked for uh, Pinocchio? Is Geppetto? Geppetto, yeah. Yeah, they 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 pull they they the ones who have been pulling strings. You don't you won't you won't see them. 
you don't know them, you won't know who they are. You don't know who, you know what I mean? They don't they don't talk in front of the camera. They don't sit on couches. You know what I mean? Right. They don't have, they're not even on Facebook, you know, right. with their egos inflated. But they have their monumental and buildings. You, you you know, you rarely see the builders of things. You, you mostly, yeah. you know, you know what I mean? Like, you don't see the people who build the towers. You see the people you who... You see the architects, the so you don't see the architects. Absolutely. And very rarely do you run into a key master who is able to bring you into a realm where you see the architect. This brother is one of those brothers we're talking about. He architectured, you know, the... the, the you know, he, he was the architect. He put together what we affectionately know and understand to be the underground um, conscious community by way of the lecture circuit and things of that nature. Yeah, stuff that I was talking about here on the other show, you know, when we put together that underground railroad that became the lecture circuit in the early uh-huh. 2000s, it was catered to the uh-huh. youth. It, uh-huh. We created, you know, a field, the field of dreams, build it and they will come. We didn't know uh-huh. about our brother Oba, but we built, we built up, the edifice that would be there when he came. You know what I'm saying? We didn't know about it, I see it, the Duke of Tears, but we built the edifice that would be there if these brothers ever arrived and came. We knew about Rashid, but he wasn't yet with us, but we had to build the edifice for him so when he came Absolutely. home, he could arrive. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Awesome. To be with the people awesome. who sacrificed their time, who put up blood, sweat, and tears, to make these things happen, the love for you. We didn't know nothing about you, family. You didn't exist Absolutely. yet, but we did it for you in the past Absolutely. for the future, and now we're living in our dream. Well, it goes into what me and Blue were talking about the other day in terms of one degree of separation. Um, you know, y'all being, uh, you know, as tight as you are with, with my best friend, Itabo, you know what I'm saying? There's a, a, a degree of connection that people have in terms of purpose and things of that nature. So the fact that I knew of y'all but I didn't have my hands on you and you were a degree away from me from, from my day of light, like it's like you're right there. So the, even the influences, like I was telling Luther, like I was at the brother Rashid's house and we kicking it and a friend of mine had been there for like 20 years popped in my head. And I'm like, you know, something, something. He's like, yeah, I know that dude. We used to hang out, blah, blah, blah. And through conversation, I understand that some of the influences that that brother brought to me were by way of A.A. Rashid. So there's a a degree of separation that we influence one another, even if it's not um, recognized. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. I got to give it up to those people because if it wasn't for Brother Chris, I wouldn't be giving this information to the people, you understand? And never did my information. This is stuff that was, um, you know, was given to me or put in my hands. You know what I mean? I was given the uh, the responsibility to maintain from my elders. I got an uncle who's been, you know, he was in this tradition since he was a, a young teenager. So the fact that the information that I have is a culmination of everything that he learned and he indoctrinates me, and then I expound on it, and I give it to the people. Um, so, you know, I got to give it up to brothers like Shabazz. Like Shabazz let me sit down and do my lecture at his, you know what I'm saying, at LIU. I got to give it up to him. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I got to give it up to the people that, you know what I'm saying, that make it possible 
for me to express this information because it's not like I didn't always want to give this information, but I didn't have a vehicle or conduit to give it. You know, the soapbox days are over, so there's no way to really uh, enlighten the people who have no 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 reference to this. So I gotta get, you know, I just wanted to start off with, you know what I'm saying, shouting out the foundation, you feel me? Um, and anybody else that, that's putting this work out there in Philadelphia, Chicago, you know, in the South, Atlanta, down in Miami, you know what I'm saying, all the way up north to Canada, you know, Boston and Canada, those places, everybody that's putting in that work, if it's just a small study group or a book club that you don't, you know, circulate conscious information through, you know what I'm saying, I got to shout those people out and let them give themselves a pat on the back for putting in the work, you know what I mean? Because everybody could talk about it, but it's the, it's the work that really speaks volumes, you know what I mean? So I just wanted to start off with giving that out to the people, you know what I mean? So oh, absolutely. shout out to the man in the shadow, the man in the shadows. <laughs> you know yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. But, um, we also want to say uh, rest in peace, our brother Italo. Um, it will also be a wonderful time, you know, to send some love and light to his family and Chowies. I'll tell you, uh, the child and child, man. Yeah. Because give a shout out to his older brother that passed away that was a victim of being a young black man. You understand? His oldest brother, Katimba M. Chowie, who passed away before he could be, to leave his, you know what I'm saying, a strong mark in the world. And any other young black man that, that died, in the struggle, man, I gotta give a a, a, a prayer and an upliftment to their spirit. You know what I mean, so that they're not forgotten and that they didn't die in vain. You did. Um, you know, I ain't talking about whether or not whatever the circumstances were or whatever, but they were still young black men that died early, and so we gotta give that. You know, because that goes back into the whole thing about ancestral worship. You know what I'm saying? We talk a lot of ancestral worship, but we get to, we want to pick and choose which ancestors are most um, honorable and valiant. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's, that's a, an error in our thinking. You know, it doesn't matter whose skull you're standing on, you're standing on somebody. You know what I mean? So, right. you know, we got to give that up to all the black brothers out there that died in the street, that died in the struggle, that died in the prisons, that died on the side of the roads, the ones that nobody knew about, the ones that been hung, all of that. We got to, you know what I'm saying? got to uplift them and recognize them that they didn't die, you know, alone and in vain. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's very, very necessary. Well, to keep it 1,000, to be honest with you, brother, hold on. No, that, that that's popping there. Put that down. To be honest with you, the representation of brothers like myself and you, Blue, AA, and other brothers who come from a background that, you know, we can't actually, we can't lie about it or we can't hide it. You know, we are, this work that we're doing is dedicated and it is honoring the memories of those brothers who died as caterpillars, who didn't completely get to grow their wings. We didn't really sure. see the manifestation of the gods. Yeah, everybody running around calling themselves gods and, and you know, uh, yeah. you know, taking these titles and whatnot. But and I'm not taking that away from anyone. You know what I'm saying? I'm not here to to, to 
to deny anyone of their, their divinity, but the generation that preceded me, I mean, that came before us and that I came out of, there, there were, I would say, I, I, would, I would say millions of gods who were clipped early. These brothers, the potential that these brothers had, if they were on this level right now with this kind of information and they were tapped into this, current, this currency that they call consciousness, this spiritual energy that, that permeates, you know, this circle, family, you have no idea where we would be right now. And we lost it. You lost some good good people. And, you know, you can't really take an assessment of who they were rather than who they could have become. Because if Mm -hmm. you look at some of our lives ten years ago, you would have you could see glimpses of what we of our potential, but you know, until we evolved, until we unfolded, you did not know who we would become the greatness that we will have, that we push forth and whatnot. And I'm speaking of, think about that. Think about what you see from some of these brothers coming out of New York and other places in the South, in the Midwest and whatnot, that are demonstrating. Multiply that by 100, okay? Mm-hmm. Multiply that by 100. Multiply that by 1,000, matter of fact, because of the influence that they will have to waken up their brothers and sisters. And you will see the severity of the, of the amount of numbers that we lost in this war. Okay, so we are. I'm honoring all of my brothers. They, I'm, I'm standing on so many uh, shoulders of brothers and sisters who lost it early in the game. Well, well, just the simple fact that you know, when someone's life is not in vain, because well, let's let's get into the whole thing about ancestral worship. Okay. Okay. There is ancestral worship is is. Divine because it makes sense. It makes sense because as human beings, you learn through trial and error. Yes. And so someone's death directly affects you. It gives you a reference of what not to do. They pay the ultimate sacrifice for you to learn the lesson. Okay. If, for instance... And, I, and, I'm, and, and I'll take an excerpt from this book that I'm writing about spiritualism and the concept of, of ancestral worship. If me and Blue Pill, for example, decide to walk through the forest and then we come upon a cliff and we have never been confronted with this before, we've never seen a cliff before. Yes. And I decide to jump. If I jump, the consequences of that, whether I hurt myself and I live or whether I die, Blueprint will directly be affected and benefit from my experience. So that if he comes across a cliff again with someone who is ignorant to the consequences, before they jump, he can say, wait, don't do that, because I saw Brother Oba do that, and he wasn't successful. And so you must be careful because the height will break you or hurt you or kill you. And so that gives him a personal reference, a wisdom about a situation, even though he doesn't have to go through the situation in order to assess the consequences of it. Okay? So our ancestors are most important because every trial and error that we've ever had to go through as a species, our ancestors had to be the sacrifice of that. Okay? So 
if, and, and that's in anything. If, if, if you have a machine and it's got, you know, uh, dangerous parts to it, you don't know that they're dangerous until somebody touched that and then they get hurt. And then you're like, oh, don't do that. And so now we put on the side of the machine, don't put this machine in the water because you might get electrocuted. This is through yeah. trial and error. Okay? This is why ancestral worship is so important and it's so, it's so um, logical because it's trial and error. Okay, so the 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 the, 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 the brothers that died, Isamu's death, directly affects my life. It gives me reference of what could happen in the street. You could get shot and you could die. Like this yes. is real. Okay, so this I learned from his experience. What happened to him? He was the sacrifice for not just me, but a whole bunch of other people. Okay, so if you thought that the dude who was cool who didn't really get into crime. He's safe in the hood? No. Now you have a reference to that. That's not the, the truth. That only the cats that get shot in the hood are not just the ones that rob and steal and shoot and shoot dice and things of that nature. Somebody that has aspirations that's cultured can be caught up in this. Okay? That's what I learned from that. And any other one of the brothers that I know that have passed away in the street. So their death directly affects us. They directly give us a, a, a lesson in whatever it is that they go through, okay? So, you know, and I, mean, and it, I could go on. I mean, in terms of just trial and error, you see somebody drop drunk, they kill themselves, you, you're affected by that. You say, well, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. Somebody, I, I'll give you an example. I, I used to love motorcycles like that was my thing. From the age of maybe like 17, 18, 19, 20, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Used to ride bikes, no helmet, all that. So my man get matched up in an accident, I'm like, yo, I don't want to die like that. You can't get me to get on a bike now. You can't pay me to get on a bike. You know why? Because I know the ultimate consequences. Like, okay, it's fun. You ride. You're going to feel like you're flying. Okay, but after that, the world's the probability say you keep riding a bike and eventually you're going to fall. I don't, I don't want that. So I got that they gave me a reference. My homeboy paid the price for me to learn that that's not what I want to do. You understand? Indeed. So, you know, the ancestral worship is very important in all religions. Let's be clear. No one can tell me that they don't engage in ancestral worship if they're involved in any sort of religion. For example, if you're a Christian and you believe in Jesus Christ, you believe that he was alive. If he was alive, then he died and you're worshiping an ancestor. If you believe in Judaism, then you believe in Abraham and Moses. Then you believe that they were alive and they were men and they lived and they died and now you're worshiping and listening to the testimony of a dead man. If you are a Muslim and you believe in Mohammed and he is all all honorable and illustrious, if you believe he was a man and lived and died, you are worshiping nothing else other than an ancestor. No religion is propagated without an ancestor. The prophets are nothing more than ancestors, people who interacted or had the experience that conveyed it to other people to create a belief. That's it, okay? All religion is based on that, nothing else, because if you don't know God unless somebody tells you about him. Okay? If you're a comedic and you believe yeah. in, you know, the Comedian philosophies and sciences, you know, you can't differentiate 
between whether at some point they said a saw no set with physical beings, they are definitely looked upon as ancestors. Certainly. You know? And Certainly. definitely the pharaohs, you know what I'm saying? Certainly. Men who tap and, 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 you know, I cannot end. Those are ancestors. These are ancestors. These are ancestors. Okay? What? These are ancestors because ancestors convey to us ritual. Ritual is based on their remembrance of an, of a, of an act or, or an incident that we read occur over or we uh, engage in repetitiously to remind us of the consequences of certain behaviors. Okay? That's what this is all about. And so, you know, everybody can try to, it's all spooky, yooky because they want to worship dead people. Everybody worships dead people. If you love money, if you say you are, you're a capitalist and you don't believe in God, you believe in money, you believe in dead people because every last one of them bills got a dead man on it. Okay? <laughs> every last one of them bills got a dead man on it. You ain't seen no president come in the office and they put his face on the money and he's still alive. No. You got to be dead. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> and I mean that is that is the whole that's the whole premise of America. The whole premise of America is for you to worship the ancestors, what they call you know the founding fathers, those 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 people that have become the principle of what this entire ideological uh, edifice has been built upon, and they need them to be edified and they need them to be worshipped. Daily, or the shit would have been fell apart if you ain't had well, their faces on the money. You would disrespected the ancestors. Well, they did. But the, if you, the money keeps the money keeps you in check, where you have, you know, you got no choice. Well, see, the thing is, the, we we play out these archetypes, like Brother Rashid, A. A. Rashid talk about that a lot. The archetypes, these these categorizations of certain types of people in certain positions. Okay. Now, when you look at our presidency and the cats who they put on the bills, all of these cats all have some fairy tale shit about them. When you look at the original quote-unquote founding fathers, they are doing nothing more than re- recreating Camelot. Okay. You've got George Washington, and he's a general, and he's got this white horse, all right? You've got uh, you've got uh, Jefferson, you've got Lincoln, all these cats, but something has happened to them. And then they've got this one dude who wasn't a president, but he's an inventor. But they had the nerve to put him on a bill. He's the Merlin of the situation. When you look at Ben Franklin, Ben Franklin is the equivalent of Merlin to Camelot. He is their wizard. Okay? That's why it's all written by him. He's the one he's the one who created the covenant what you call the constitution. Okay? Um, so he, he they play out these these roles and these fairy tales over and over again. Now where we need to be afraid of or where we need to be a little worried is, is now that right now they're putting a movie out about Walt Disney. And you have to understand that Walt Disney has effectively created the mythology 
and the, the, the fairy tale for the United States. I, and I'll give you an example. Me and my cousin were talking about this recently. It's a mouse, right? And the mouse is like the, the pinnacle of all of this, this, this story. Now, Disney has put out all kinds of movies, right? But in our generation, nobody that's under the age of maybe like 60 years old can tell me that they've ever really seen a Mickey Mouse cartoon. You may have seen Fantasia, but he don't talk to Fantasia, okay? You've never seen a cartoon with Mickey Mouse as the star. They've made cartoons with Donald Duck and the DuckTales and all kinds of other characters, but they never single out this Mickey Mouse cat, okay, because they keep him exclusive so that you have to be a part of the club. You have to be a part of this Mickey Mouse club. Now, all of the cats that came from the Mickey Mouse club have gone on to become quite successful in pop culture. Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, Hannah Montana. These people all come from Disney. Right. Okay. Christina Aguilera. Steven Adams, Christina Aguilera. These all these people that they blow up, they come from the Mickey Mouse Club. Okay? And so there's, there's a there's a, a, a there's a, a very subtle caution in the fact that they're making a movie about this guy now. Okay, because, you know, you hear the stories that they, they got him cryogenically frozen or they got his head frozen and all this. And Disney owns a lot of property in terms of media. Like, a lot of the channels that you watch are controlled by Disney. They decide yes, to tell you what is wholesome for your children. So what they happens is... They the universe. They got Marvel. It's an alternate universe, absolutely. It's, and so they created a Vatican so that they have Disney World. In the middle of the United States, they've got this small sovereign state called Disney World, okay, that millions of people go to. So at the end of the football game, the football player says, oh, I'm going to Disney World to take you back into a state of dreaming. See, people forget that they used to make children sew clothes and dig holes and, and work the fields at a certain time. Children just stopped working only in the last maybe 70, 80 years, okay, in time. Children used to work before that. But Walt Disney came along and started to sell these fairy tales to children, and that's to pacify them. Because what he's doing is he's keeping them ignorant so that the government or the, the establishment can now begin to program them. So that you children yeah. are growing in an illusion. Okay? It's so, it's so funny that you're touching on this particular topic because, again, like I said, I had a. Uh, uh, a few different experiences the last two weeks have um, pretty much, you know, dictating my thought pattern and my thought process. So I was thinking about Kanye, right? I've been reading a few articles that have been putting his rants in perspective. So I was thinking about Kanye and, and his insistence to be compared to Walt Disney. I was thinking about the MSNBC documentary that I saw on Walt Disney last year. And then I started thinking about um, some things that Kanye was saying in regards to uh, Edward Bernays and, and, and the century itself in regards to diamond rings, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm starting to think we're putting together a show talking about secret relationship between black women and white men, right? Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about content for that because I, I had a week 
where I ran into loving hip-hop and everything. So before we do that show, we're going to have to do a show about the brothers. You feel me? Mm-hmm. I'll do a show about the brothers, you know what I'm saying? And um, not excluding ourselves, right? So I was thinking about I was like, damn, like, this is deep. You feel me? The introduction of plastic dolls and fairy tales at a child's very early stage of development has a totally affected them to the point where you have women, like you said, that are about 50, 60, that are still heavily influenced by that, 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 that indoctrination. Sure. And no matter how pro-black, Afrocentric, or whatever any of these sisters are that, you know, are out there or the majority that I have ran into at some way, somehow they've been affected by the fairy tales that they've come across or those plastic dolls that they were introduced to when they was two, three, four, and five. You know, and the whole fairy tale of Ring and the Prince Charming and all of those things, those are times that are intrinsically interwoven into their whole, you know, framework, their whole mind. And very rarely will you find a woman who has escaped that spell. And that's why scandal is, 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 is... that's why that shit works. Well, 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 well this took a take. Let's take the, 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 the metaphysical properties of that idea. In any other culture, they don't give children dolls. Dolls are something sacred. They're usually on the shrine. Okay? Right. You in Africa, they got a little doll. The doll is in the shrine room. Motherfuckers are making, making uh, sacrifices to that thing. Okay, I mean, even in Eastern cultures, a doll is usually an effigy for a spirit. It goes on an altar, or it represents something religious, a statue or something. Okay, so the implications of them giving a child, someone who is innocent and un and ignorant to the consequences of things, giving them a doll and effectively allowing them to trap themselves into that doll so that you have young black girls who are literally trapped inside their Barbie doll, and now they are are literally uh, acting out the spirit of the Barbie doll in their black bodies, so that they want exactly so that they're looking for Prince Charming, like so that there's, there's never it's never enough, so so they they're bound to live a life of unhappiness, okay. And that and that goes into even into religion, period. Like, in terms of the traditions as a local me practitioner, someone who follows the Orisha, the one thing I can tell you is that the Orisha are by far perfect. None of them are perfect. They all have transgressions. The stories, what we call apateki, which are the stories, the, the mythical stories or, or, or ritual stories, will describe the deities and all their transgressions, all their faults. What this does for the practitioner is it allows the person to have a, a, a paradigm that they can actually attain to, to, to reach. If you give someone something, an unreachable goal, the person becomes despondent at some point. So effectively, Muhammad is looked at as this almost perfect being. How do you attain to be that? You will never be that. So you've been given an impossible mission. 
Jesus Christ is made to be like the most the cleanest person on the planet. How do you attain to be that? You will never be that. So what has you, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, a road with a dead end, okay? In niche, in African tradition, you're given the stories about the, the Orisha's follies, about their imperfections. This is what makes gives you reference to understand that God is all-knowing and that there are levels to consciousness. So, for instance, Obatala is the highest deity in our, for lack of words, pantheon. And Obatala is about purity and wisdom and all these different things and maturity. But Obatala is a drunk. And if you give him a bottle of liquor and he gets drunk, he'll say and do things that he will regret in the morning. Okay? We all know someone who is like that. But what happens is Obatala eventually overcomes his obstacles to become pious. And so what that does is that gives you a personal reference to personalize yourself that you there is a way to do this, that, that you can attain this space of consciousness, okay? So they give these girls an image of quote-unquote perfection that they will never attain to be. You will never have your hair blonde. It will never be straight. Your body will never look like that, and you'll never be white. So you're chasing yourself on a wheel. I don't know if many people out there know that white people secretly call black people hamsters nowadays, okay? That's one of the uh, passive-aggressive uh, euphemisms that they use for us. Instead, like, people, people get caught up in nigger. They ain't going to say nigger no more. They call us hamsters because they say we're, we're stuck Let's on a identify it Just in case the family needs a, a visual um, reference to what you're talking about, Go back to the Kia. I believe it's the Kia commercial family. Guyon. Guyon commercial with the answers oh. the dressing, the boys and all that. Yeah, they're, they're B-boys. They're, they're hip-hoppers, you know what I'm saying? But they, they have them depicted as hamsters. And there was a few commercials. That's not the only one. Yeah, yeah. With the old Disney movie Jungle Book, right? So it's got the little boy Mowgli and all that. But all the animals talk slick like black people. And so they're effectively talking about you as an animal because the, the music that the animals in the jungle sing is jazz. And at that time, that was a black jungle music, okay? So the characters are an orangutan and a group of monkeys, right, a bear, and all these animals. And they all talk with that jive slick talk that black people talk. Well, they're insulting us passively, okay? They don't need to use the nigger or any of that kind of stuff, epithets, to insult us. They do it very passively now, okay? But getting back to the concept, again, yes, you're right. The, the, the young women are, are phased out because of this Walt Disney uh, fairy tale that they've given out, that uh, you're going to be poor and the man's going to come He's going to put a finger on you, or he's going to kiss you, and you're going to turn into a princess, and you'll live happily ever after. Like, what the hell is happily ever after? What does that mean? Like, only people I know that live happily ever after are dead people. Okay? So, like, what are they talking about? And so you got young women that have this program. This is etched in their psyche that they want to live happily ever after. What the hell does that mean? Like, you want to die? Because 
as long as we're alive, we're always going to have conflict. We're always going to have issues. We're always going to have some type of problem. That's what life is. It's about struggle. Happily ever after means that you are dead. And so you're dealing with that kind of stuff. So not to get off topic, that goes back into into religious thinking and things of that nature because the, the, the government that we are unfortunately um, intertwined in is about that. So they have their juju. They work in their magic on a psychological level as well as a ritual level, okay, because everybody knows. Everybody can see, I've, I've never seen the Mickey Mouse Club show before. You understand? That's, that's my mother's era, and I can tell you the song. M-I-C-K-E-Y-M-O-U-S-C. That's in great. That shit is almost genetically passed down to us now. Okay? And I'm sitting there with my cousin trying to figure out, like, I've never seen a Mickey Mouse cartoon before. Never. Never seen a Mickey Mouse cartoon before, but I know Mickey Mouse. Like, yeah, how does that happen? Yeah, yeah. Yo, that, that's yo. They, they. I'm telling you, they, they magic. They, they, they be working that stuff, man. And we don't know it because when we, we don't, we don't recognize it as that. Okay. So I'm just wanting to let the people know. Like I said, they're about to come out with this movie about Walt Disney. It's all relative. Okay. It's all relative. They're about to put people back to sleep into another, you know, pixie dust dream fairy tale land with, you know. Tinkerbell and all that kind of stuff, okay. Um, but um, yeah, you know, back to the to the to the topic, ancestral worship. Nobody nobody has a religion that is that that excludes ancestral worship, okay. Nobody. If even if you're a devil worshiper, if you worship that bald headed dude, I forgot his name for, with the devil worshiping church. He dead now, ain't he? You know what I'm talking about? Who's that? Um, Crowley. No, not Crowley. Remember in the, in the late seventies, they had the white boy with the bald head. Yeah, and Crowley was the church of Satan. He's still alive. Nah, he's a rap. Exactly. So now it's a legitimate religion because somebody, my uncle says, the hey, thing that you like in our tradition, we have tradition, so you have to follow tradition. This is how it was done before you. My uncle always used to say, if you want to do something new, you got to pay for it. So that means that you got to be the spirit. You got to be the ancestor for it. Okay? So somebody got mm-hmm. to die for this new omen to to, to be fulfilled. Okay? Mm-hmm. Built on someone. Someone had to do something, and as a result, people react based on that. Okay? Oh, don't 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 kill that kind of animal that you're being brassed up? Okay, well, then we ain't going to do that. But somebody had to be the consequence for that shit. And so hence they become the ancestor who we lean on and we uplift. Hmm. When you said all of that, immediately, uh, for some reason, Biggie came to mind. Not even Tupac, but Biggie came to my mind. The image just popped up. Like, when he became that sacrifice, oh, got to remember that the game, huh? Puff blew up. Pop, we ain't never gonna go broke because he got that he got that ego, that that spirit as a foundation for all his endeavors. Yeah, because you, you got to remember, family, they created a whole other genre. It was it was inside of the house of hip hop, but that whole this this whole dope boy trap boy get money the club era like all of that shit came about 
when Biggie rose up in dominance and prominence. That's that tough ever right there. That's why he is, he, he, Jay-Z will never be more wealthier than him. He is on the top. Mm-hmm. Because that sacrifice is he created a whole, that's a, that's a whole other new system, family. People mm-hmm. wasn't doing what they were doing prior to that whole bad boy era. Niggas wasn't going to the clubs like that. We was into reggae. You feel me? They was in the club fighting, robbing, you know what I mean, doing a one-two thing, but it wasn't right. the way that they was doing it. The strip club shit was not what it was. Um, bottom, that Cinderella, back to the Disney thing, and, 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 and niggas is under that spell because all of that, I'm going to pay $10,000 for a bottle session to pop 100 bottles for two or three hours, and, and when the lights come on, you know what I mean? You get back in your pumpkin and your shit goes, so, you know, you, you go back to your, your uh, you know, the, everybody goes home. You know? that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That whole job. That was Puff, because Puff started those those particular parties in the city that were super exclusive. First, he would have the all-white, and then his shit would be so, so super VIP that they would have people out in the freezing cold, and they'd be like, yo, son, you can only get in here if you're paying 500 you know what I'm saying, on a bottle. Because first, they was knocking people in the head for 500 on a ticket. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Like, it would be awesome stuff to come in town, and they was just trying people. And he tried it out in Atlanta first. They said when I was reading the story, the Mark Curry book and everything, they was doing it in the A where his joints would be super exclusive. And we're talking about the same person who was throwing parties before he came into the game in the party in, in, um, that he, that he threw at City College. Nine bodies, yeah. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. so that sacrifice was made. The club sacrifice was made early before he even jumped in the game with the artists. He had already sacrificed that nine months. Yeah, and that, that's when the whole, that's when he became that club dude, like officially. Yeah. After that, yeah, he, he rose. His club prominence. <laughs> now people died trying to get to one of his parties. Then people you couldn't keep nobody out of his party. Yeah, it was like dope. It's like dope. That no was like the promoter for the happy land. Yeah. <laughs> dope ain't die, and they all are looking for that stamp. They're like, yo, I yeah. owe oh, it all. what he was doing. Let me, I know how to shoot and that. Then, you I feel me? I was in Harlem last week in a haircut, and I'm sitting in a chair. I think my barbershop might be a, um, might be a dope fiend. I got to ask him. But his man came in and was like, yo, um, three niggas um, died, and I'm sitting there like, what the hell are they talking about? He was like, yo, Burger King is popping right now. They got a line outside of it. So I'm like, I'm like, I right, boom, I'm gonna go on Facebook. Niggas is dying in Burger King. You know what I mean? Like that'll be good for my my videos and shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna share that story. I'm gonna go look for it. Then he was like, yo. Then I was like, yo, what y'all talking about? He was like, nigga, they got some dope out here called um, Black Death, and, and, like, three people died, and, 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 and like, it's selling out. It's, it's popping right now. They got a line outside of Burger King with all of the dope things. I was like, nigga, are you serious? Like, are we really? Yeah. This is 2013. Like, we really doing this? Yeah, like, like, yeah. Like, what you talking about? Yo, let me tell you something. People, like, when you, when you, when... When death is around, see, all right, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me be real clear. Death 
is on one side of the coin to to life. They're on the same bill. Okay? Same thing. When a woman gives birth, death, there's a saying that death walks into the into the room nine times. Because in the act of a woman giving birth, she and the child could could potentially die. This is how catastrophic this this event is, okay? So in the process of life, death is right there waiting, okay? So people who live, like who live on the edge, or he lived, are always looking for death. Because death is the contrast to life, so it make it gives life meaning. I mean, if there's no death, then it's it's like the bungee jumper. Isn't, it's not fun if it can't potentially if the cord can't potentially snap and hit Button's head on the rocks at the bottom of this river. Mm, it's not fun. Right. That ain't if death ain't there. Okay. Right. It's cheating death. That's the that's the thrill. Absolutely. So you have to understand that these things are one and the same. Okay. And so. You know, in terms of sacrifice, when people talk about sacrifice, they go, they get them all into the blood and all of that. But again, when life is brought into the world, what happens? A woman pushes out a baby. It's plenty of blood, plenty of blood. Okay. But so that blood is is indicative of of the struggle that life is engaged with death. Okay, so when the blood is spilled, it is it is an indication, it is a byproduct or evidence that life is trying to fight against death. Now, before we get into the blood sacrifice, let's talk about sacrifice of what sacrifice means, what that talks yeah. about. People get this thing mixed up. Now, in the in in in, in the Christianity, they tell you that God, Almighty God, sacrificed his only begotten son for our sins. Okay, who did he sacrifice him to? Because you sacrificed to a greater good. So who did God sacrifice his son to? He had to sacrifice him to something that was greater than himself. He didn't need to sacrifice to himself to prove anything. Wow. So we're talking about the concept of sacrifice is the, is to to give to a greater purpose, to a purpose that is in the future or in the near future going to benefit you in some way. Okay. So beyond just the blood sacrifice, the very first sacrifice that humans engage in in terms of dealing with God or ancestors or anything is we, we give up two things, time and space, okay? Time that it takes to erect whatever effigy that we are putting together to, to get God's attention and the time that it takes to maintenance and the time that one takes to devote in terms of prayer and all these different things, okay? That's the first sacrifice. And of that sacrifice, those two things, those two commodities, you do not have control of. You don't have control of time and you don't have control of space. Okay, so the first sacrifice is the concept of erecting an effigy or a allotting a space to the divine. So that if I only have, if I have a hundred square feet, then I will have 
80 square feet, and I will give 20 to my altar to God as a space that is just for them. So I have shortened my lot for them. Now, in order to, now after I have asserted or drawn out this space, allotted this space for the divine, I have to now spend time to erect it, time to maintenance it, and time to devote to it. I don't control these things, okay? This is the core of sacrifice. Now, in that sacrifice, we have created a conduit for the divine, a space, a vacuum outside of our own reality where the divine is allowed to, to inhabit. And in that divine space, we have created a connection. So now that I have created this connection, I have allowed the, the, the divinity to have space and to uh, actualize itself and then become tangible in the concept of ideas that it will talk to me and we can now communicate with this, with this divinity and now that the divinity will give me specific needs in terms of how it is to be appropriated. Okay? So no religion goes without sacrifice, none. They all go with if it's just time and space, if it is herbal sacrifice, if it is a sacrifice of sound in terms of chanting and singing and praising to the deities, this is all sacrifice. You're giving up something in, in hopes that the divinity will bestow you with something grander than what you have given. Okay? So if you got a, like, you got a bag full of corn, take that corn and you plant it. And so that small piece of corn will now grow into a stalk of corn that will have maybe two cobs on it that will have several kernels of corn. But I have to have faith that this corn will actually, this kernel will grow and it'll be, I'll be fruitful. So I had to sacrifice. Well, I could eat this corn now, and then when I eat all the corn, I ain't going to have nothing to plant, and then that's the end of the corn, and then I don't have anything. There's no, there's nothing to, uh, there's no reciprocity in that uh, exchange. But if I sacrifice and say, well, okay, I could eat the corn now, but if I plant it, then I always have corn. That's a sacrifice. So I gave a little bit for a greater good. That is the purpose of that in terms of man's interaction with God is that you give something small in hopes of getting something larger. But the smaller what you give is something that it can affect you today, but it's not going to be uh, catastrophic in terms of you giving it away. You understand? So it's not like you're going to say, oh, I'm, I'm going to sacrifice my house to God and I'm just going to sell the house and sell and give it the money to the church. And then, no, that, that doesn't make sense. That's not a small something that makes something big. You just gave up everything. You just gave the land. Now you ain't got no place to plant the corn. But if I say, well, I got this house, and if I give just um, a little bit of my time or a little bit of my money to help them, you know, produce someone else who will be divine or whatnot, and then that person may give me advice or, or, or a good word to, to help uplift me in times of need, then I have... I've given up something small that I'm, I'm reaping the benefits of it from a larger perspective, okay? So that's the purpose of sacrifice. So when, you know, like people get into the, like as black people, we must 
brainwash ourselves from every idea of what we've been told about African spirituality. If you own uh, what's that, uh, Serpent in the Rainbow, take that and throw it out the window and say you're not going to take it anymore because that's not what we do. That That is the a very, very poor and false description of anything that we do in these traditions. Okay? As, and so when we get rid of that spookism of, you know, anything that is done uh, with rustic or organic in, ingredients or materials, it somehow become evil and, and dark and, and for the bad. And that's not, that's not so, okay? So that's the first thing we have to do in terms of to liberate us from the idea that sacrifice. Oh, so when you hear sacrifice immediately, because even in the context of the Bible, the first time you hear about sacrifices, uh, what's this guy? Uh, Abraham about to kill his son, right? And so getting into that conversation, we talk about what are people, like everybody's looking for God, but are they really ready for God? Are, they, are you really prepared to make that sacrifice to God? If you were in contact with God and God told you specifically to do something that you felt was ulterior to the concept of what you think is right or wrong, would you perform it? No, that's another, that story, like there are a few stories that stick with me from my first interaction with the Bible. I was about 12 or 13 and our stepmother let one of our neighbors take us to church and she took us to Sunday school. And it was that story about them, you know, sacrificing the child and he showed it in picture, you know, and he was about to cut the child in half. Mm-hmm. That shit has that image and that story has never left me, bro. <laughs> and it was about sacrifice. I was like, damn, he's about to go there with it? That's a powerful ish. Right, and they give you they give you the G rated version of it because at the end of the story God says, Oh no, no, I was just playing with you. You ain't gotta do that. Right. But, but you don't you really get the the, the, the 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 severity of the of the, the request. You feel me? We don't get to the severity right. of the request he told him to kill his son. You feel me? And so how much do you, do we really, like when people say, oh, I'm looking for God, how much do you really love God? What if someone told you that everything that you know was wrong? In search of being righteous, you want to be righteous, and then you get to the door, like the matrix, and he gets in the room and there's this, this dude in there, and then the dude tell you everything that you thought was right was wrong. Everybody that you let get off the hook, kicked you in your ass, and that was wrong. You're supposed to smite their ass right then and there. And everybody that you was nice to and kind to, you wasted your time because the motherfucker, you gave him a dollar and he didn't do nothing with it. Like, what if you heard these, this rhetoric? How many people would really be truly be prepared to, to, to follow that kind of doctrine? Okay? So that when we talk about sacrifice, what if we people really willing to sacrifice? Because most of the time, people, like, if, if a person is well off money-wise, they give you money all day. You tell them they come get a reading. They're like, oh, yeah. You're like, oh, and it's going to cost you $500. They're like, sure, I got the money right now. And then you tell them in the midst of that reading, you tell them that they need to abandon a certain kind of behavior. 
Are they willing to give that up? Hell no. They'll pay their tithes off to continue their, their behavior. Okay? Because people don't really want to sacrifice. They don't want to give up anything. It's a very self-indulgent era in this in the, in the, in the world, as well as the society that in the country that we live in. People are very self-indulgent. So they'll give you the money, but if they don't got no money, then they're like, well, I'll give you something else. Okay? But the concept is that you have to give up something. If you want to know why you're, if you want to know, like if a dude comes to me and says, oh, I don't know why, you know, I keep having problems with my wife and, you know, we just be arguing things ain't good at home. And I give him a reason. And he says, well, the problems is, are because you don't know how to stop cheating. If he truly wants to stop the problem, he'll change his behavior. If not, if he's not willing to do that, then, he, then don't come looking for the reason because you don't want to change the behavior. A lot of it stems within us first, okay? And so the magic that is, uh, that is utilized in the ritual is there for you to see the severity of your behavior. If a chicken has to die because you can't stop sleeping with other women, there's a problem there. How many chickens got to die before you realize that your behavior has brought you to your demise, okay? Because the, the concept is you are too much to get out of here. Here they go. The chicken got to die because you can't, if whatever the problem is, so eventually it becomes to, what happens is like in the new age, Yoruba priests, they be wanting to kill chickens immediately. Like, when they divine, they're like, oh, we got to kill you some chickens, right? And I, I'm totally against that. Like, in terms of real uh, wise elders that I've learned from there, like, in terms of what we say, blood is a, is a last resort, okay, because blood is hot. It, it changes. It affects the energy around it. So we try it. We, we shoot for things that are cool, like herbs, fruit, um, bass, different things or different uh, iconography to change one's personality. But if we have to get into blood sacrifice, it is very important that the person witness this animal give its life for your transgression, okay, so that the chicken's life is not in vain. Now, for all of the Peter people out there, because I've done this show several times, and I like I, I I glaze through the little YouTubes and I hear the cats talking and all that and I'll be like, oh man, they don't get it. So I'm gonna say it again. If you are in the uh, the consciousness or the opinion that the animal is sacred in case of Rasa Ra, that's all fine. But there is an exchange that happens as well in terms of the the life of the chicken. If we believe in reincarnation, let's say we believe in reincarnation that one may be stuck on a, on a lower plane of existence based on one's karma, right? And you come back as a chicken, right? That's a very mundane life. You don't have much uh, free will in that life. You're pretty much just waiting for somebody to scoop you up and eat you. So... In regard to that, as we use the chicken, 
It is an exchange. We are asking that the, the spirit that inhabits that chicken be elevated to a place of a high consciousness so that this person or this consciousness, I should say, that is that uh, dwells within this, the body of this chicken may be released from that kind of a karmic uh, sentence so that it may become back as a higher consciousness, as a being that may not have to spend most of its life in wonder when it's going to be picked up to be eaten. Okay, so there's an exchange. So we pray for the chicken so that the chicken may elevate to a place of a higher consciousness. If this is a being that was conscious and now has been uh, sentenced to live inside of a chicken, in the, in the sacrifice of this life, we are asking that that consciousness be released to a higher consciousness. Okay? So that's one of the, be the exchanges in terms of the animal-to-human relationship in terms of sacrifice. The other thing is that we don't just sacrifice chickens and blood. We sacrifice plant blood as well. So we, there are parts of ceremonies where we take herbs and certain herbs are picked, and these herbs are broken and ripped and mixed with water to create an elixir that we drink and we bathe in, okay? So in these, in these ceremonies, certain songs have to be sung to calm the spirits that dwell in these, in these plants. And so some of the songs are there to activate the spirits in these plants so that they may either produce benevolent or malevolent properties out of the elixir in which they contain. Okay? This is all under the guise of sacrifice. Okay, so when we go to get the herbs, we pray to the deity that is the uh, the progenitor and the maintenance of the herbs in all plant life, and we ask him to please give us some of these herbs. And then we sing and petition to him, and we praise him so that he brings the benevolence that each herb and each plant has hidden within inside of it. Okay, so that this, so for everything. Like marijuana has benevolent properties as well as malevolent properties. Cocaine has benevolent properties as well as malevolent properties. Okay? So understanding the, the, the code of it, understanding how to, the, the password to access it is based on the ritual. So we sing these songs in a certain tone that activate certain cells within the, the, uh, the, the plant life for them to release certain minerals or certain energies so that they imbue us with benevolence, okay? So this is another form of sacrifice that we engage in. Another form of sacrifice we engage in is possession. And this is when someone who is a channeler, someone who, who the spirits feel that they are, their body and their soul is a good conduit for the deity to come through, these people sacrifice their bodies so that the deity may come and touch the earth and interact with the congregation, okay? And if this is a sacrifice purely on the fact that all it takes is one practitioner in the congregation to doubt the uh, legitimacy of the possession, and the spirit will do something that is phenomenal to the body or perform some type of phenomena to ensure to the congregation that this is not a human being. Now, because the spirit does that, the spirit don't live in your body. So the person who, who whose body it is, they are affected. Now, usually the deities will leave, and they will leave the body unharmed. 
but still there's a, still a core exhaustion that happens in that exchange. So people who are what we call horses, because they say the deities ride the person like a horse into this reality. The person that engages in that is engaging in sacrifice, okay, because they are sacrificing their body as well as their consciousness to the divine so that they, because, you know, a person could come out of possession and effectively go crazy because they have seen, been on the other side of the veil as well as to deal with the social uh, graces of being possessed and out of control and doing things that they may have not been, uh, you know, they may have not voluntarily, you know, themselves to in a conscious state. So right. this they is another. Well, yeah, I mean, well, what happens is you you have to understand that the, the, the deity or the spirit will take over the body. Now, depending on the uh, the the connection between that person and spirit, the spirit may put the person to asleep, like a like when people drink alcohol and they black out, they black out, yeah. and then some another personality takes control over the body. So yeah, spirits, right. Absolutely, that's why they call them wine and spirit. And so the person who gives their body to this, this phenomenon is sacrificing, again, their body, their consciousness, and their time because you lose all sense of time when you come out of the possession. You don't know what time it is. You don't know what's happened. So people tell you about what happened. They're like, oh, and the deity did this and they did that. And it sometimes it's very hard. Being someone particularly who goes through that, it's hard to, to, to maintain a sanity because you, you're constantly dealing on different levels of of consciousness. So people come up to me and they're like, oh, you told me to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, yo, I'm sorry, I don't know the details of that. I wasn't consciously here. You were dealing with another personality, another consciousness that was effectively renting my body for that time, Okay. And so sometimes you have to you have to be strong in your personality and in self because that can make you be like, am I crazy? Am I just crazy that they sing some songs and I lose my mind and I start doing foolish stuff? No, you have sacrificed and lent yourself to another personality, another consciousness that does not have the tangible uh, conduit to exist on this plane on a on a on a constant basis. So you lend you don't them have your a body. Exactly. Exactly. And so this is why we create the effigies for them a space for them to to dwell when they are not in our bodies. Okay? And this is a is a form of sacrifice. Okay, so sacrifice doesn't often mean, oh, you know, every time you go to a, a, a Santero or a Lukumi priest or a European priest, whatever they want to call themselves, you know, blood is not going to be, you know, the, uh, the on the menu for every day, okay? In fact, blood is, like I said, the last alternative. People who are, are bloodthirsty and they want to constantly kill chickens, if they're not eating that food, you can pretty much assess that this person is a little ignorant in terms of ways of the wise in these traditions, okay? Um, so, yeah, so we have to get out of that concept of what, you know, the the, the fear of sacrifice and, and what does the, the, the core of the concept means, not just the word, but what the concept is of sacrifice.
Hello? Yes, brother. Yeah, we hear you. Yeah. So, you know, that's the um the, the, the core. See, because I, I engage with the audience because, like I said, I watch, I, sometimes I, I cruise through the, you know, the clips on on you know, YouTube and different things, and I come across DVDs, and I, I have a real gripe like the eye shade thing. I'm still on the eye shade business. You know, people were like, "Oh, they use it as a word," and my my fear is that it becomes genericized to the point that two young men could be going to do a, a, a commit a crime, and to qualify each other, they're using the word eye shade. You understand? Like, you you there's dudes right now that are not Muslim, and they'll tell you they're out there selling crack, and you're like, yeah, I'm selling mad crack today. I'm on my dean. Like, that's blasphemy. <laughs> that's not what was meant to be used. You understand? It's not meant to be used in terms of you being focused on your debauchery. It's used. You know yeah. You know? Dudes would be like, yo. I just met her and shit, you know what I'm saying? I'm about to go over there and knock her down, inshallah. <laughs> and so, like, you know what I'm saying? And that's what it's going to become with this I shape business. Like, yes, yeah, son, I just robbed the, the dice game. Word, I shaded that, son. Like, no, that's not what the word was used. It has a very, very sacred uh, meaning to us, okay? And right. so anybody that wants to read a book and tell me that they, they oh, everyone is born with our shape. No, that's not true. Everyone was born because of Ashe, and everyone has Ashe, but that Ashe must be activated, okay? It must be activated. And so when you are a priest, when you have been initiated to a certain degree, the Ashe has been activated, and so now everything that you put benevolence to has Ashe in it. And so when I qualify a deed done by my brother or sister in the tradition, I use the word ashe to qualify it, to give it life. It's not for them to be like, because they say the word in the means of, oh, to the ancestors, ashe. No, that's incorrect. That The word is not used in that context, okay? We have words that are used in the context when referring to ancestors. We have words that are used in the context when referring to the divine. We have words in the context when, you understand, so when people take it out of context and I'm looking at them and they're like, oh, and they're talking about black power, this, black power, that, and the Muslims, and I'm a Moor, and I'm this, and that, that, and then they be like, Ashe. Why? Yes. I was about to say that. Out here in California on the West Coast, you will find um, the RBG, the black power, Moors, uh, comedic folk, everyone preferences their conversation at the end, but they'd be like, I say yo, I say yo. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's ridiculous because you know what? I don't use Islamic um, dialect in my conversation. You understand? Because I, I have not taken a shot. I don't, I don't know that. And so I don't have the ritual right to, to use the words that are divine to the people who practice that form of spirituality. I don't have the right to do that. And so I am pleading with the, the, the conscious brother and sister to please omit 
using the word unless they are prepared to go through the ceremonies and to devote time and space to those divinities in order to use that word, okay? Because it is, it is blasphemous because you, you don't know what you're saying, and it is not yours because of color. No, it's not yours because of color. One must, must dedicate themselves to the study and the, and the, uh, the familiarity with the divine and the divinities in that paradigm before one can effectively use that word and, and me not look at you like you're crazy. And I don't care what kind of a scholar you are. If I hear you in that and you're like, I say, and I go, okay, so you you got a godmother and a godfather? You go through the Aleke ceremony, or you, do you go to Orisha's drummings? If you don't engage in that, then don't use the language. Don't use the jargon, okay? Because like I said, because it doesn't seem harmless at now because you're using it in the context of, Oh, of a self-indulgence, like, oh, yeah, well, the brother, you know, Angela Davis, I shake. Okay, but what happens when the other side of the coin comes and the dude shoots one of my people and he's like, yeah, I shade to that. No, not I shade to that. No, I shade to punching an old lady out. No, I shade to selling Molly to young kids. No, I shade to that. And so it can effectively go in that route because when it becomes trendy, then people, you, it loses its context and it loses its spiritual as well as ritual efficacy, okay? And that's the reality of, of so I, I got to cry with them. And every time I'm going to speak my mind like I'm not feeling the eye shade, it's like cut it out, okay? It's not a, 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 an exclamation point for you to use at the end of your poem or at the end of your soapbox rant. Leave it alone, okay? If you can use the word, then you can take the time to investigate the traditions and de dedicate yourself to understanding and participating in the traditions so that you can use the word effectively. Indeed. Indeed. I got to ask you, I have a few questions that I've written down based on conversations I've been having throughout the week. I thought it would be most appropriate to bring it to you. Okay? Shoot. I want to know from, from your experience and the ceremonies, the numerous ceremonies that you have attended, um, the traditions that you have been schooled in, things that you've seen and, and, and things that you've been told, are spirits race-specific? Um, in the consciousness, yes. Okay. Can you, can you explain that, please? Okay. The best way that I can articulate it is is to understand that. Maybe if, if I can ask you, because that, that was a two-part question, so if I, if I ask I you the next question, maybe you might be able to formulate it in that context as well. How much impact does spirit have on our consciousness? Thus, you know, is it is it is it race-specific? Okay. Let's, let's, let's look at what spirit is first. Yes. Spirit is effectively, and I, and I quote myself, so if anybody run behind me and use this, I know you jacked it. This is, you know what I'm saying? It's 12, 14, 13 at PTL. Spirit is the untangible consciousness. Okay. 
meaning it is thought that is not trapped inside of a tangible vessel. Okay? Mm. So, the same way that radiation and different things are they exist without your eyes being able to detect them, but they have a consciousness. Radiation has a consciousness. Radiation is a very needy energy. Whatever it gets a hold of, it consumes it, and it attaches itself to things, okay? So that if somebody has, has radiation poisoning, you can effectively catch that shit if you're around them long enough because the radiation will begin to attach itself to you, Okay. Now, when we're talking about spirit, you have to understand, like I said, the best way to that I can articulate it is if anybody's ever seen the movie Ghost, right? And in Ghost, there's a part when, like, when people die and light shines and then the, 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 the spirit either ascends or it gets stuck here. And so what happens is that these these personalities or these consciousnesses become stuck on this plane, meaning they do not graduate to a consciousness of being intangible. So they are stuck, literally obsessed with this plane. So like if it was a, it was a person that had a consciousness and he was Indian or whatever and he died and his spirit does not ascend, he missed his, his, his train, and so now he's stuck in the material. He's stuck trying to figure out why he can't interact with the material world because he doesn't understand that he's dead. So this consciousness right. is continuing to try to uh, to conduct itself as business as usual until it comes to the realization that it is not alive. Now that it realizes it's not alive, it's still stuck with the dilemma of being stuck on this plane. Okay? And so what happens is it becomes... Um, stagnant in elevation, and so the last incarnation that it was, it will continue to live under those parameters. So if mm-hmm. it was, if he died, if he died as an Indian man, a man from Bangladesh, the language, the culture—that's all that he's. That's the only reference he has to of an, of, as an ex- existence. So he maintains that. So what happens is those spirits are stuck here. Now, this part I can't tell you truth or not because I haven't died at that to, to, and reached that level. I've died before, but I haven't died and reached that level. But from, from what we can gather is that the architect gives these spirits uh, an ultimatum or a, a, a job in order for them to elevate. And so they attach themselves to new beings, and they become attached to the new being like a parasite to a host. And so their job is to either be malevolent or benevolent in your, in your existence. If they are to be benevolent, they are like, you know, when you see the cartoon and it has like the ghost, and the ghost is helping the little boy walk on the ledge of the building, and the little boy is naive, and so the ghost keeps letting this phenomenon happen to make sure that the little boy doesn't fall off the edge. Well, these consciousnesses have the same burden now, that they must help guide you. So what we call these entities in, in uh, spiritualism, we call them guides. They cannot force you to do anything, but they can only suggest 
through thought and ideas for you to have different inspirations to do or move on certain issues, okay? And so these these parasites are bound to keep you well because that is their existence. In order for them to live, you have to live. And so they will only elevate beyond this plane based on you having a good existence, okay? Now that you have malevolent energies, who the only way that they can edify themselves is to consume. And so it's like radioactive isotopes, how they decay everything in their immediate circumference. So everything that's around, the, 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 the atoms and the protons and neutrons are missing something, and they're constantly looking to acquire. And so they're looking to take and consume and acquire and consume and acquire. And so they eat things. And so it breaks down the person's aura. And so you have this malevolent being that's attached to you because it is feeding off of your fear, feeding off of your self-doubt, feeding off of your, your hatred, feeding off of your envy. And it feeds and it grows and it grows so it becomes a dominant inspiration in your life. Okay? Now, the race part, we say that the race is important because what happens is that Although we may have a specific ethnicity on the skin surface, in our souls we are all the same. So you are given a collective core of all the possibilities of the human genome so that the spirit that addresses each one of those possibilities of genetics in your aura. Some are stronger than others, okay, because some have a, a, a strong affinity to you based on blood, based on just genetics. So that aura is stronger than, say, maybe having a spirit that is attached to you that exhibits uh, an Oriental or an Asian philosophy, okay? Because at the end of the day, because of the, the migration of human beings throughout the planet, we cannot say that everyone, you know, like certain ethnicities, like, I mean, DNA today proves that right now. They're doing DNA tests on people, and this dude is—he's black, looked like he came out the Congo, and they check his DNA, and, he's, and it's it's a familiar to someone in Ireland. Okay, right. so that we're all connected by genetics, and the genetics are decide whether or not what traits that we that we exhibit. For example, I have in my family. There's like a, a a code in our family, like the middle children and all of my family tend to be very fair-skinned. So, like, my mom's only had me, but my aunts and my uncles had about three kids apiece. So each one of the middle children is, happens to be the fair-skinned one. So that that, right. that treat, it exhibits itself in a certain pattern, okay? So the first one of them come out dark, second one come out light, third one come out dark, right? And it perpetuates itself in that order. So to, 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 to make sense of all of that, to answer your question, the race has everything to do with the, the, the personality that we all have within us. You can, it's like Bruce Leroy. So if Bruce Leroy comes to see me and I divine for him, it's obvious that he has an, a, a spirit with him that is very involved in Eastern philosophy, very involved in, in China and Kung Fu and Confucianism and Buddhism, he's, that he has a spirit. 
and that draws into it. So when you go into people's houses and you see them and they have um, effigies from a different culture, it's because there is a spirit, past life or whatever, that is looking to necessarily exhibit itself through that person. So you have this affinity to it. You go in somebody's house and do that power, but he got these Japanese samurai swords hanging from his, I'm saying, on his wall. Okay, and he doesn't know why he has an affinity for samurai movies because there is a a a, a, a spirit or a personality that has attached itself that recognizes that uh, historical paradigm. Right. Okay. Um, and and these things are important in terms of understanding these traditions because. When when African Americans engage in these traditions, they immediately jump right into the African part. So we're gonna make some, I'm gonna be Yoruba, right? And in the Lukumi tradition, because Lukumi is built on people who are what they call Creoles, people who were not born on the continent of Africa, but they were born here and they have a mix of blood. So what this forces us to do is to necessarily effectively honor all the ancestors that we have access to. Because you might have, if you're from Cuba, there's a big, or any place in the Caribbean, there's a chance that you could have some Indian in you. And when I say Indian, I'm talking about like from India. You could effectively have some Chinese in you, okay? Everybody knows a Chinese Jamaican dude, like he got slanted eyes, cooked Chinese food, and he speak like Bob Marley in them, okay? Um, you have Irish and, and Spanish there's different genocodes that go to certain diasporas. And because the world has never been as segregated as it has in the last maybe 200 years, because the world has only been segregated like this in the last 200 years, let's be clear about that. Like, people all over the world have always exchanged, like like I said, like, you, you know, the, the Native American, he show up on the shore and see the white boy pulling up in the ship, and the first thing he does is give him the girl. Hey, listen. Take the girl. Go ahead and fill, fix, help add to the gene pool. So now that you give her something, now she got a baby and the baby half white and half us. And so now we got some new genes. And that kid will bring some new new stuff so that we don't continue to perpetuate all of the the uh, defects in our gene pool. Okay. So in the spirit world, you have to understand that spirit in this in this. Raw form is nothing more than spirit. It is not attached to any nationhood. It is not attached to any ethnicity or culture or any of that or ritual. But can I ask you this? Right. I, no, I'm, I'm, I want to segue when you finish. Sorry. Okay. So in terms of the, the the concept is you're dealing with the spirit who in that consciousness that was the last. Uh, perspective that it, it had and it kept that attached to it. And so and that spirit is not uh prejudiced to you because you don't share the same ethnicity as that spirit. Okay? You may share the same spiritual chemistry as that spirit. And so if you know if you're a hard life dude, like if you're a hard dude and you're a, a very anti social person and you believe in honor and like, you know, then a samurai and the code of a samurai is very familiar to you because you can you can relate to that. Like, oh, he's, this dude is honorable, but he lives by himself, and he's all for his lord, and he's loyal and all of that. 
that gives you a paradigm for you to to function in, to, to make you feel comfortable in, because you feel like you may feel like you're not of this time, okay? Or you may be uh, have an affinity towards something like Camelot or the Knights of Templar or something of that nature, and you, oh, I like the way that they 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 thought a certain way, and I'm very um, I can relate to that. I'm very astute to that mentality. So that's what these 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 spiritual guides provide in terms of ethnicity and personality. So again, spirit in its raw form is nothing more than spirit. It doesn't have any nationhood or any preference attached to it. Okay, it is only right. in the consciousness of the human being does it acquire these likes and, and dislikes. So what what is what is the propensity of man to want to control everything, even in life and death? Like with Kemet, you know, the fact that some people are here and they identify with the fact that they have melanated skin and um you know, they like the art of Kemet, so automatically they're Kemetic. I'm, I'm from Kemet. You can't tell me nothing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and all of a sudden they're Kemetic. You know, they don't have any recollection of, you know what I'm saying, them in, in, in the temples. They don't know how to read Metanetra or anything. You know, they have to learn all of these things. And some people genuinely do have some sort of familiarity or what have you. You know, but they could have been in Kemet 3,000 years ago and they could have been a slave master 300 years ago. But all of a sudden, right. because they came back as a melanated being, and this is the trend right now, they want to be comedic, and then they want to own everything that happened 3,000 to 3,500 years ago, and they want to say, nobody else has any, you know, got no say, you wasn't in the temple, you know what I'm saying? Like, they just want to cut off the rest of humanity and they want to hoard something from 3,000 years ago. Like, what is it in a person that makes a person want to do that? Well, see, that's the thing. Again, remember what I said, it's an inspiration. Inspiration comes, in through, comes from breathing to inspire, to take that, in, that, that nose to throat, ear, nose, and throat. You know, they're all connected. You know, you go to the ear, nose, and throat doctor. Right, and so they so they uh, effectively describe breathing as inspiration. Okay, and so these spirit, like if you, like I said, like if the, the dude, if he says, "Oh yeah, I got a comedic spirit," okay, but then what happens is when they get out of hand, is it becomes their life. They're like, "Oh, and in my last life, I did this and the third, and it's not about that. What it is is that there's a spirit in your spiritual core that is um, connected to that time, that place, that, that, that ritual, that culture. And so that spirit inspires you to, to effectively sort out the information about that lifestyle. Now, you may take something out of that lifestyle, whether it be, uh, whether it be like uh, eating. You say, oh, well, you know what, I'm going to take a, a better eating habit in terms of um, how I eat, because I saw that the people in Kemet did a certain Whatever the, the, the benefit from that is, it was because the, the spirit inspired you to, in, to research and find out, okay? So the, the inspiration is what leads you 
to want to to engage yourself in a culture that may not be um, available to you at the at your fingertips. Okay, so you know, I, I'll give you an example. I, three of my cousins are initiated to an Orisha that is the Orisha of the hunt. He's a, a an archer, right? Right. And if I told you that all three of my cousins that were initiated to that deity, since they were children, have always had an affinity for bows and bow and arrows. All three of them, if as you, right. I would be like, oh, I, I, because all their lives they've had this affinity towards this behavior because they've been inspired by it because they've been affected by that. You understand? And so, what I'm saying, like, you ever see Constantine, the movie? Yes. Yes, the movie. Yes. You see that there's um, they the, have the, the archangels, right? And so they yes. can't tell what to do, but he comes by and he whispers in the dude's ear and he becomes inspired. Like he's got this idea all of a sudden. Oh, snap. Well, that's the same thing with in terms of the spirits, in terms of their interaction with us. They can't, they can't coerce us to do anything. They can only inspire us. And so your heart does what it wants to do. You still have free will. The spirit says, oh, you should steal that pack of gum. You decide. The, the, the spirit just inspired you to do that, but it doesn't force you to do that, okay? And right. so that's the, 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 the context in terms of the, the – the, because when we do – when we have uh, we have a, a, a gathering that we call a Misa, it's, it's a spiritualist. It has nothing to do with Orisha. This is something which is like the, the foundation. Before you even get to engaging with the Orisha, you have to go through and master these – this chamber. And so spiritualism is a chamber that we that is involved in our tradition in terms of a uh, uh, checks and balance system. In spiritualism, we have a, a what we call a misa, which is a gathering of other spiritualists, people who are clairvoyant, audiovoyant, intuitive, all these different things, right? And so we all gather and we have what we call investigations, where different spiritualists will tell you about different things. And so we have what there's a, there's, a, there's a system to it. So the person that you've never met before tells you, oh, you, you got a thing for Chinese tea kettles. And you're like, yeah, I, I collect them. And they're like, yeah, because that, that's attached to a spirit that you that's with you that used to be uh, a geisha girl who used to pour the tea in the house of a samurai because the spirit right. is effectively to the spiritualist. And so they're giving the person more information for them to understand why they carry out that kind of pathology. Like, oh, I, just, I can't help myself. Every time I see a Chinese tea kettle, i got to buy it because of this spirit. And so that spirit has right. a certain purpose in your personality makeup. That spirit, because we know that effectively people from Asia tend to have a very poised um, stature about themselves. So that spirit may be with you when you need to be to shut the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? You get pulled over by the cops, and then they start talking shit, and then one dude be like, yo, chill, just, just be cool. It'll be all right. Maybe that spirit is inspiring him to say, no, chill, take it easy. So mind over body. Now 
You have control over things. And so now that, 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 that behavior and that pathology is working through the person, and so now that they effectively avoid a situation where the cop could be like, hey, waiting for you to say the wrong thing and shoot you in the back of the head and leave you in the woods. You understand what I'm saying? And so right. that, 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 that personality is ingrained in your personality and is, it's able for you to pull it up. So it's when you go to these, to these gatherings and they give you, so now the first time you go, somebody tells you about the spirit, and then you go someplace else, and another spiritualist gets more detail, like, oh, you need to get that that spirit this, that, and the third, and you need to work with this spirit based on this, so that you can effectively call on that personality and pull it from out of a host of personalities that you have within you, so that when you face the situation where you're, your 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 anger or your emotions may get the best of you. You can call on that spirit and that personality to level that shit out for you, so that that spirit comes in. It's like, well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna take the, the high road on this one. I'm not gonna speak my mind. I'm not gonna curse the lady at over the counter at my fucking I don't know my parole office or whatever it is that you may be in. You understand? And so these spirits inspire us and they inspire us based on the amount of connection that we give to them. When we when we recognize the different compartments of our psyche and give recognition to them, then we can use them. Okay? It's like people sometimes they, they have these spirits and these spirits may inspire and it may be to a detriment. You may have a spirit that was in the street, and if you don't have a, a conduit to to um, make the spirit be productive, now the spirit has a hold of you, and now you're effectively acting out the behavior of that spirit. So you find yourself in the bar late at night with hookers, spending money, getting pulled over, driving drunk, and this is not really who you are, but there's a spirit that takes you on to do that because the spirit is effectively living through you because that's the life and the only existence that spirit can recognize. So that's what the spirit, that, that when that spirit was alive, the life that it led engaged in that kind of behavior. And so it's looking for a vessel to necessarily perpetuate or propagate that behavior through. And so you become the victim. And so these these these. These, these ceremonies allow for other spiritualists to tell you that you got a blemish on your on your card. Like, oh, you got a spirit with you that's not really good. He's, he's taking advantage. You got to get rid of him. Okay, so then you do certain things to just like any other energy. You asbestos cleaner people come and remove asbestos and radiation from out the basement. Same thing with the spiritualists. They effectively go through different things to break up the ions that are consuming you that are changing your behavior. Okay? Hey. Hey. So did hey. I answer the question, brother? Yes, you did, brother. Yes, you did. I wanna Yeah, it it's it opened the door to some more questions I would like to explore. Um Taking it into account what you're saying, and um, my my mind is is going throughout society and is seeing different things that I'm seeing more so today than I was seeing previous, you know, in my earlier days on this planet. So I'm like, 
in in your in your meetings and the meetings and different conversations that you have with spiritualists and things of this nature, have you been able to identify more so where the increase or the influx of let's say homosexuality has come into play in society, where there are a lot more people who and I spoke about this on previous shows, and you see it when you come into places like the main metropolitan centers like New York and L.A., that when you see certain gay people, they look possessed because they have a certain phenotype about them. They almost look like aliens to a degree, you know, how they just look like there's something that's inhabiting them rather than just their regular self. You know what I mean? Like, they got to look on oh, them. Well, let me and say especially this. When we talk about we talk about the AGs. If we would talk about the AGs, which are identified as the aggressives, and we identify them without being stereotypical, we could say, all right, if Little Wayne was a woman, then they would look like that. Why do they have that common um, disposition about them that they all have these particular familiar phenotypes? Well, well, let me say this. And this is my, I'm a, for, all right, let me first give you the, the understanding that sexual, sexual deviancy is just that, it's deviancy. It is the, the need that human, being, uh, human beings have to, for affection, okay? Men will engage in homosexual behavior in places when you lock them up in jails just like if you have two male dogs, they will begin to hump each other because affection is a human need, okay? And so what happens is they effectively go through a power struggle about who will be the, the, the dominant and who will be the passive, okay? Now, when so that's a, that's a, a byproduct out of, of a certain uh, situation, Okay? Now, when you want to talk about, now, this is my opinion now. My opinion is that what you have effectively happening uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, as an epidemic is the concept, and it goes into the Willie Lynch conversation. You have pretty much like female spirits that are now taking over young men as a means to protect them from the concept of them being gunned down. So, like, as a result, as a result of the late 80s and early 90s of young black men being shot down by each other, right, and shot down by police and put and incarcerated, now the, the, the urgency to save the young black man has become greater than ever. So what happens is a whole generation of feminine spirits have taken over young men to keep them effectively from being too bold and too right. intimidating. To make them, to preserve them, to make them passive in an aggressive society, whereas Absolutely. that will like, make them get in under the radar. This is the, the, the byproduct of the Willie Lynch conversation. He says if you if you right. beat the, the 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 slave in front of the woman, right, and she's pregnant and she gives birth to a boy, she will effectively turn him to be passive. She will teach him about authority. If she has a girl, she will teach her daughter to be a go getter, to be a bed warmer. Okay. So now what happens is, so on the side of the young men are being now, um, 
they're being kind of uh, uh, they're being effeminized, right? The young women are now being masculated because that energy, the, the opposite of that energy, must express itself as well. So now they're because the white man don't look to them as a threat. Now they are the threat because he don't realize that they think like the man now. Now you see them committing more violent crimes. You see them committing uh, more heinous crimes because they are effectively the male energy spirit uh, protecting right. through, through this medium. You understand? And so it's a, it's a byproduct. Now, I'm not saying I'm not, for anybody out there that's listening, I'm not, uh, I'm not pigeonholing the 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 conscious or the, the the behavior to that event. Some people is based on like when you talk to the brother Umar Johnson and you listen to him, he talks about you know uh, the psychology and people things that have happened to people in their sexual health. You know, like we could talk all yeah. day about we could talk all day about. The um the concept of, of of the sexual health of of young women and men in the hood, but let's let's right. let's make this right. let's make this visual. You got an apartment, maybe it's three bedrooms in the projects, right? And in that three bedroom apartment, effectively like twelve people live there. Now, grandma, she's the one that has her own bedroom because that's where the money at. The bills get paid in her bedroom. So she might keep in her bedroom, she got the little babies, they sleep in the bed with her, right? And so now she got another child that may got a little job, that they go to a little security job here and there, and they got the little security job. So when they come home from work, they go into their room, and they got their little room, and everybody else can't come in their room because they got their little job. Now you got the Waywood family members, the young men that just came home from jail, the young women that's running around and can't stay inside the house. Now, when it's time to go to sleep, everybody's sleeping everywhere. What that does, what, what people ain't talking about is in, in that highly populated uh, household, the young men are molesting the young women at nighttime in the living room because everybody's sleeping on the floor and on the couches and everywhere. Grandma's in her room, right? You got older young men that come home from jail that have effectively been tainted by the system. So now they come home and their little and the little nephew is there or their little cousin or their little brother, okay? And this is all happening under the same roof and nobody's saying anything. And so this is kind of behavior has been going on and nobody says anything. That most mm-hmm. dudes, if you ask them if they're from the hood and they're private, they most of the time they had their first sexual experience in the in the living room of a house full of people. With the television on, waiting to act act like everybody's asleep when everybody ain't really asleep. Okay, these are conversations that we don't have in our community about the the health of our people. So this this brings in un, um, sexual unhealthiness. Okay, this brings in personality defects, all of that, so that you effectively have young men growing up in households full of women that. Um, I figured out that it's easier to be a girl. It's easier to be a girl. It's easier for me to put on a a, a, a a purse and talk like them because they can say whatever you want to, but effectively the black women have perpetuated this behavior because the little boys didn't learn how to be how to act, try to act like girls. For men, 
the sister and girlfriend, that conversation comes from women. So these boys have figured out that it's an easy road because all of they, when they're in the household of 12 people, the women are the ones going to work. The dudes are the ones going in and out of jail, getting shot and being buried. So at some point, the consciousness says, you know what, I ain't doing that. So I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to hang out with my aunts and my sisters and my cousins and them. And so I'm going to pick up how they live, and so that's where I can live through society effectively without being um, in danger, okay? So I don't, you know, like in terms of a, of, a, of spiritual consciousness, yeah, I do believe that a lot of it has to do with that. But the, the, the general behavior of that, of that perversion is perpetuated based on the economics and the living quarters of most black people. You feel me? Yes, definitely deep. Family, we have four minutes remaining to the live stream. Three, four, seven, six, three, seven, twenty-one, thirty-five. That's three, four, seven, six, three, seven, two, one, three, five is the number that you have to call to continue with us. We will be going to the phone lines very shortly. I have a, a few more questions to ask. I do see the boards lit up. You know what I'm saying? People do have their hands up. We're going to get to the callers. I'll probably narrow it down to about two more questions, okay, or they'll be here all night with my questions. Um, Two things. I want to take two steps back. We were speaking about the ancestors. We were speaking about sacrifice. We were speaking about ritual, and we were talking about the Orisha. Now, I want you to speak on... You know, oftentimes people with grievances, people with issues, you know, when they've hit that wall and they feel that it's a need and a necessity to come forward and get a reading and they get a reading and it's recommended to them because they might have these particular spiritual blockages that they get some work done or they just might have a regular natural inclination towards priesthood and, you know, that scene in them and they're called forth, you know, to step into their, into their purpose you know, what I would like to know as well in the process, what I'm saying is that there's a lot of service being given to humans by way of, you know, our ancestors in Orisha or what have you. How dependent are the ancestors in Orisha on us? Well, you've got to understand that. But we should are the consciousness that is allowed to sit on a man's head. It is the it is the ability for men to under oh, that is what a is it's the ability for men to understand the natural. Now there are some deities that are beyond that. <clears throat> These are forces that will be here regardless whether we're alive or not. Okay, there's a difference between an element and a force. An element is usually the byproduct of a force. A force is something that does what it does regardless of consciousness or anything. It just does. So <clears throat> there's a part of Orisha, the consciousness of Orisha, that, which is the, the ability for us to understand the natural, <clears throat> will not exist if we do not appropriate Orisha, okay? Because if we don't appropriate them, then they won't be able to Articulate to us what is in the natural. You understand? Yes. Like, like it, it would be, um, 
irresponsible for me to say, oh, Alicia don't live if we don't sacrifice. No, Alicia was here before us, and they'll be here without us. But the um, exchange, because you have to understand, in order for Shango to make it lightning and thunder, he don't need no blood. He needs blood and effectively to to affect my reality. The reality that is or that already exists, he has total control over that. But when I give him blood, it is for him to effectively change my reality so that the things that I see and that I come in contact with. So if I cease to exist, he continues on, but he will not be able to do something for someone unless they have have to first recognize him. You understand? And that's why I describe them as the understanding of nature. They are not the natural forces. The natural forces are what they are. Those are what we call, in terms of of, of, of um, codification, we call those irumale. These are deities that exist before there was a heaven, before there was a consciousness. They exist. And they'll continue to exist. These are forces, right? And then you have Orisha. And Orisha refers to that which is a consciousness that can fit inside your head. I'll give you an example. There's a story, and I got this from a Christian woman. She says there's a little girl. A man is walking on the edge of the beach, right? Yes. And he sees a little girl, and the little girl has a little shovel, and she's digging a hole in the in the sand. And the man watches her for some time. He looks at her. And finally he approaches her and he says, sweetheart, what are you doing? She says, I'm trying to put the ocean in the hole. He says, but don't you know you can't do that? It's not going to fit. She says, the same way that you're trying to put the mystery of God in your head? You understand? Uh, the mystery of God don't fit inside your teeny, tiny, puny brain. It don't fit in that. Okay? So what Orisha is is the understanding. So Orisha is the understanding of the phenomena that you see before you. It's understanding that when it rains, there could be lightning and thunder. That's an understanding. You have become familiar with this phenomena. And so it's the, 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 the observation and hence the uh, interaction with the natural, with the phenomena. So that's going to exist even when there ain't no human beings. Because if you don't think that the, that the fish or the bird prays, his environment, you're you're mistaken. Bird knows the difference between a sunny day and a rainy day. And sure, he don't like the rainy day. So he's praying for a sunny day just as much as you and I. Okay? Mm. So it doesn't stop with just human beings. See, again, anybody who is of the idea that are still chewing on the bait of thinking that human beings are the perfection of creation is sadly mistaken. That is an arrogant concept that God, like what, like I, like I said, again, what would you do if you were like, oh, you're at the gate to heaven, you open up the door, and God is a damn dog, and he's sitting there talking to you, like, yo, what's up? Like, are you prepared for that? <laughs> you understand? Because you, 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 you're effectively given a paradigm or or or, or a limit of what you think God is supposed to do. If he don't come with two feet, two legs, 
two arms, two hands, and a head, and eyes, ears, and a mouth, you ain't going to recognize him. Right. You ain't going to recognize him. And so what if that's not who he is? What if he's a box? You get in there, so just a box on the box talking to you. You got to accept that. So people with the idea that, oh, you know, human beings, you know, we're at the top of the food chain. No, what if the, the insect was really the king of the universe? Because he's a right. smart mom. You know what I'm saying? Like the spider is, a, is an amazing being. He's going to be, he, 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 he's a, he got his own refrigerator. He web you up in a little thing. Something as lowly as an earthworm, as an earthworm, you would be so amazed how significant that is to our existence. Something as insignificant and lowly as an earthworm has all of the significance in the world. We got a program coming up on that trust, you know. And it's, it's you. You segued into my next question, and it's a two-part question. One: Are the Arisas only powerful? and relevant and existent on this particular plane of existence? Like, do they only exist in a corporal understanding of what we can conceive as the quote-unquote world? Do they have dominion in outer dimensions? Certainly. Certainly. I'll give you an example. How primordial all this stuff is. The most biggest, the biggest Orisha that we have, right, in our tradition. And I, if they, any Santero or Babalao that's listening out there that want to make go, oh, he don't know, he, I guarantee you that what I tell you is truth. We have one deity that sums up everything in these traditions. His name is Ogun. He is the only deity who of sacred verse like the, uh, what, what God speaks out of his own mouth, one of the sacred verses was named after him, okay? Now, Ogun is represented by action, thought, but the tangible representation of him is iron. Yes. Iron is primordial. It was here since the Big Bang. If you believe in physics, do you believe in the Big Bang? As soon as it was boom, it was iron. So iron is floating around in this vast, infinite space. It exists. It is here. When a star burns out, the last substance that it will become is nothing more than iron. Okay? So we're talking about something that is way, it's reaching way further than this side of the galaxy. We're talking about a material that exists on the other side of the universe. There's iron somewhere, okay? Hydrogen, these are things that they exist beyond just this planet. You know, we look at water in the concept of a, as a liquid, but you have to understand water, the basis of water is nothing more than hydrogen. And hydrogen is what makes all stars burn. You look in the sky and you see something twinkling, the first thing that it was was hydrogen. So this is evidence that a deity exists beyond just this corner of the universe or this corner of our galaxy. Okay? Ogun is a primal deity. He is all throughout the universe. There is not a place in the universe that he does not travel. So how do we negate his, his, his primordial existence? How do we negate his necessity? So this is a deity that is the beginning and the, is the alpha and omega of these traditions. 
Nothing goes on without him. When we do our, when we do the sacrifices, it's all based on him. That the saying is that we don't eat because if mm. without him. Okay. Okay. Because he invented just like technology. Right. You understand? Just like somebody he, mentioned in the chat room, um, would that be because iron is in the blood? As well as that. So this is my point. It exists externally and internally. So if you look at yourself, if your body as a microcosm of the macrocosm, all the same elements right. that ex- space exist in you, and iron is one of them. Salt and water are others. These are primal things. Like regardless of whether or not we exist, they exist on a whole different plane. So in the universe right now, there's a, a probably a chunk of iron the size of our good planet floating around in space somewhere colliding, and see, again, the nature of these things, this, it's beyond just the human form. So iron, as an as a, as a object in space, collides into, into, into planets. We have asteroids and, and all of this kind of stuff. So the, the nature, the very behavior of it is so much Ogun because Ogun represents violence and the action of things. So beyond just this consciousness of, oh, human beings getting into a fight, violence is happening in the stars. Right, impact and, and right. Okay, so it's be or we should know or we should don't die. They're not. It's not like Bobby Hammond and Panic and them be talking about they change names. And I'm saying his name because Panic is a he's a moron. Okay, he could never stand in, in anybody that I know shoes and get initiated because he has too much ego. And in order to do any of this, you must have humility. Okay, because I've listened to these dudes long enough talk about, oh, I ran into Oshun on the astral plane and I defeated her in your wildest dreams. Okay, and I hate to go at the brother like that, but you look and see and look at Bobby Hammond and look at the way he is because you you was going to war with Orisha on the ethereal plane. Look at you now. And I say that with no malice in my heart, but that's the reality of it. You're talking about things that you have not been exposed to. And I have seen some things that I cannot explain in these traditions, okay? I have seen people perform acts being possessed. I have seen people channel and say things that not even God Almighty himself probably knew about, okay? And so the concept is that, yes, Orisha exists regardless of our mundane lifestyles. They exist. They will continue to exist. Okay, they will find a form to express themselves beyond just us. So when you hear somebody say, "Oh, soon is the a richer of love," that's the biggest lie there is. Okay. Hmm. Oh, soon has nothing to do with love. Right. Love comes directly from God. And I'm going to repeat that. Love comes directly from God. And if love comes from God, so does hate. Wow. Oshun did not invent love. There's nothing about Oshun that says anything about love. What Oshun is, is, is special for is her fluidity. What Oshun is special for is the fact that she represents the freshness that all animals come to drink at the river. All animals, everybody, like the enemies, the, the, the lion, the wildebeest, everybody be at the river drinking. 
okay? Mm-hmm. And that's the moment that they ain't fighting. They ain't chasing. He's not chasing the wildebeest at that moment. He's coming to get a drink of water. And that's what Oshun has in terms of her ability to settle things, okay? To bring everyone right. to, a, to the same level. It has nothing to do with love. This is not Greek. Uh, the Greek pantheon done over in the African garb. No. You know what I'm saying? So people, it's there, those synchronizations or those comparisons are there to give reference, but it does not mean that. So you will hear very old school Cubans who keep a, a giant Santa Lazarus or a giant Santa Barbara in the house, and they will tell you, see, if they Santa Barbara is not Shango. Okay? That is a perspective of Shango in a paradigm, but that is not Shango. You understand? So that we have to understand that Orisha will exist. This is not something, a new fad, but people like, oh, in the Greek gods, no, the Orishas didn't die, okay? The Orishas don't die. They continue on. What we do to them in terms of praying to them is to give them power through thought. We, we allow them to this reality based on our recognition of them. You understand? Right. So, no. So all the people out there that have heard Bobby and them talk that bullshit, and I, like I said, I don't have nothing against Bobby Hammond, and I, and I wish him health. I, I, and I say that genuinely in earnest. I wish him health. I wish him health and understanding. But that stuff that him and Panic has been propagating is false. They don't know Orisha. They have no idea what Orisha is, okay? You have to be introduced to Orisha. You don't just join the mafia and meet the capo. You don't just go, oh, I'm at the Godfather. Like, what are you talking about? How many people could say that they've come in contact with John Gotti and they not? I have to have to do something for him. You understand what I'm saying? You don't just meet the Godfather. Right. So how y'all just all of a sudden you read a book and now all of a sudden Oshun descended on you and your dreams and now she's talking to you. Get the fuck out of here. You feel me? And so I say that with 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 no hesitation. Like that's not because this is these are the the uh the mundane nuances that keep people going over and over again. Oh well the these the Orishas have ascended to another level, and they don't respond to those names anymore. Man, get the fuck out of here with that bullshit. You understand? I do this every day of my life. No, they didn't change their names. They may change their names appropriately if the cult moves. If, for instance, tomorrow I lose all my elders and there's nobody around and I got to move to Antarctica and start the religion all over again and... You know, the people can't pronounce Shango, and I got to come up with a different name than that, so be it. But until then, his name is Shango, and I recognize that the people in Brazil know him as that, and Haiti, they know him as that, and Cuba, they know him as that, and Trinidad, in Jamaica, in Miami, in Chicago, that's what his name is. Okay? So no, right. it's not that they haven't ascended to another level, and they've, they've changed. They're not superheroes. No, it's not that kind of deal. You feel me? Got it. Ready for the second part of the question? Shoot. Okay. Now, I know that you've been involved with um, numerous different rituals, numerous different ceremonies, what have you. At some point, at any point, doing a reading for a person 
or, um, you know, during a gathering, exchanging information from the elders, have any of them expressed to you, exposed any information about interdimensional beings? What happens when a person has a spirit on them or a being that's unfamiliar to the pantheon that has been put in part by way of the Orisha? You know, are there existences in different parts of this universe that have entities that, 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 come from, that come from there? Certainly. 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 Okay. Well, what happens is, depending on the, the, the understanding of the, um, the diviner, see, I'm, 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 I'm a, in terms of ritualistically, I've been taught um, protocol, and I understand the language and all of that. But my uncles happen to be very mystical beings. Most of the people in my family are very mystical. So they've always looked in other paradigms for um, ways to articulate themselves, okay? So understanding that, I have a, a larger vocabulary to describe certain phenomena that maybe someone, unfortunately, that has only been in the shrine in European land and they don't have a large vocabulary in reference, they can't necessarily describe it the way I will. But... You have to understand that every time uh, technology advances, we allow for another race of beings to inhabit our reality. Okay? Um, every time, every time we um, we 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 um, engage in a a new element because you know that they're still creating elements on the periodic table. Every time they do that, they open up another dimension, okay? Um, Right. So you have to realize that our pantheon and what we we officially describe ourselves as local me, we have up to upward of about maybe 30-some-odd tangible deities that we have access to, Right. In Yoruba land, they number the deities something like 401, okay? And yes. the the uh, sacred verses of Ifa, sometimes you'll hear them describe and, and, and um, number them somewhere in the thousands. So you're talking about possibilities. Um, and so, of course, there are things that have not, that have a behavior that have not reached us yet, and so we have no reference for their actions or their behavior. Okay, I mean, even and that, that's not even talking about externally. Let's talk about internally. We don't know what the hell is at the core of the Earth. You have no idea what is making all of this radiation at the bottom of the Earth. Okay, um, we have no idea what, what some what, what happened with some of the um ingredients that we've been purging the earth with, how that will affect the earth in a hundred and a million years. You know, like all of the plastic, let's say when that plastic has been absorbed by the earth and then the earth melts that stuff back up and lets out a new gas and we have a new atmosphere. You understand? We don't really know the repercussions. It's just, you know, so in terms of that there are other malevolent deities that the Orisha... I wouldn't say that they necessarily they don't have a, a 
a way to describe um, what these things are or, or reference to, but maybe we don't. Okay? So if you never saw, if a person, for instance, has never seen a man with dreadlocks, they've never seen a man with dreadlocks before, and I'm the first one that runs into him, and I come down the hill like, yo, there's a man, and he got these things coming out of his head. It look like hair, but I don't know what it is. I know what it is because I've seen it. But you don't know what, even if I knew what it was, even if I said, oh, they're dreadlocks, and I'm just trying to describe them to the ignorant, he has no reference to it. It's like dreadlocks. What are you talking about? And so he, I can only reference that which is closest to him. You understand? So the deities, it's not that they're not uh, educated in what these things are. They don't have, they haven't, we haven't had evidence so that they can give us a reference to what the fuck is coming. You understand? Yes. Okay. Um, I think we should go to the phone line now. You heard? I'm listening. I'm listening. You have to yeah, no, I said I think we, we, we're going to go to the phone lines now because the family does have their hands up. You know what I'm saying? And I, I definitely want to get them involved, you know? But yeah, let's, oh, let's, let's, let me, let's yeah, let me, uh, let me go directly and um, do this right away. Call up from the 213, 213, 273, 213, call up. Peace, Peace What's good, kid? Peace, folks. Hello? Oh, man. His lines just dropped. Oh, okay. I was like, who is that? That was that was Rashid? That was the guard, yeah. Oh, you got to get the guard back on it, man. You got to get the GOD back I, on it. I got to figure out how, you know, the, the live feed is dead, so if he He's a me, you know what I'm saying? Huh? He's a legend. Tell him I'm, you know, Red House for presidency, man. We're going to pick the White House for could you imagine what we missed out on this particular phone call? I know he has something to go upstairs with, but, you know, let's keep our fingers crossed and hope that he figures a way to get back in. In the meantime, in between time, let's take another one of these calls. Let's go back to 347-347-742. Caller, you alive. Peace. Call from the three four seven seven four two. Call me. Greetings, greetings, greetings. Can you hear me? Yes, 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 indeed. Peace. Hey, uh, this is uh, Brother Yusef. Brother Yusef, my brother. Peace, bro. Yeah, that's my brother. Good defense, right there. Shoot, our brother. Yes. Mister, <laughs> my. Everything's good, man. Everything's good. Yes, sir. Everything's good. It's been a long night. <laughs> you know, you said I said a lot of things, man. I just wanna, just wanna thank you for enlightening, enlightening our community on on spirituality and what it means to you and what it means to us. So I just wanna, you know, take off my hat and give you, you know, say thanks to the brother, and I appreciate you. 
keep on doing the good work, well. That's what I have to say the next piece. Thank you, Joe Congo. Like I said, I'm, re- I'm, re- I'm nominating you for Minister of Defense. <laughs> okay, bro. <laughs> have a good night. Peace, huh? Peace, brother Yusuf. Peace, sir. All right. Let me um, go and open up another line. Let's go to the 864 8631 864313 8631 caller. Thanks. Hotel, brothers, hotel. A beautiful show tonight. Um, much love, brother Oba and um, and KTL, man. This is this is a monumental. Yeah. Mess- Especially around this time of the year, I guess, um, you know, with, with me, myself, as y'all, you all were speaking about Kenneth, um, and, and when we're talking about our spiritual eyes being open, I guess I look at the spirit like um, like if we were going into a mall, you have different mall, you have different stores inside that one mall, but all of us might be drawn to different stores. And, um, you know, even how we catalog that inside Kenneth, as far as the car, which is the spirit, being the one that's kind of flighty and, and the soul, or as you brothers were speaking, I would look at the soul being uh, the heart, being the, the source of the blood, or when we're talking about that blood. And, um, you know, I'm thankful for uh, having the local, the, the deity my I, inside my life uh, as far as when I sacrifice myself to open up myself as being that vessel for God here on earth maintaining that, that, that higher frequency because, as I stated on this show, man, I used to live a ratchet, reckless life. So coming away from that and going to a, a more um, a more moral approach um, in, in life is something that I'm definitely uh, glad about. And, um, you know, it, it definitely has been a struggle. It's, it's been a tough time, but I think when we're talking about going to the paradigm in, in, in the beyond this third dimensional realm, I feel like uh, morality is the thing that we definitely have to uh, cling on to, even when we uh, say us as being the custodians. And this is this is my this is my opinion now, uh, as us being the custodians, as melanated peoples, uh, having a natural connection with 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 the world, with the earth, bro, and with the cosmos. Actually, uh, we are the ones that ascended from heaven. Uh, and, and came down, or, or transcended from heaven, and came down to this to this place. And um, I, I think now we have been been able to be genetically annihilated, as Dr. Francis Chris uh, Wilson speaks of. When we we kind of go through these things, watching TV, uh, listening to different frequencies, uh, fucking our shit up. Um, even um, when, when you were speaking, um, Brother Ober. I, I specifically talked to uh, Bobby Henry, asking him some questions about, you know, uh, where we were going. And and this brother told me, fuck everything. And this was before the stroke now. This was before the stroke. I was talking to him personally. So when we're talking about the spirit of things happening, and this is the thing that you can't really change, is that that spirit is going to be, is going to show itself. And I think us as, you know, as melanated people, we have, Deviated and gotten off of our path. Even those of the ones that should be known, and the priests, 
and the priestesses that, that are, are up on the pedestal right now, and even the master teachers, a lot of people are not facilitating the, the full and encompassing the full aspect of, of, of morality. And, 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 and let me know if I'm wrong, but if I can do it and maintain a vegan lifestyle and, and live a life without having to constantly live and have something killed, because we are the ancestors' return. And I got this from uh, Brother Dr. Booker T. Coleman. And we are the ancestors. But us embedding ourselves with that spirit in order to keep ourselves, our eyes open and our ears open, in order to feed our blood, to facilitate the godly will. And that's what we have to do right now. Because I, I look at the white people or European people. They don't have a lot of compl- They are unified. They have a local deity. They have a local deity, and they're all, they're all of them fucking with it. All of them on the same page, and they, they're agreeable. Not all of them, but mainly ma- ma- the majority of all of them. They click. They can work together and unify. Even with the Mexicans, the Hispanic, Dr. Claude Anderson speaks of this. They have unified. They have recognized and had a local deity. That's one thing we constantly fuck up on because we have too much ego. We have too much ego, and the brothers are... You have all these master teachers, and you got all, even with the constitution. Hold on, brother. Hold on, brother. Hold on. Okay. I hear what you're saying, okay. but I don't hear what you're saying. Okay. Let's be clear. You cannot compare us as a people to another community based on the fact that those communities have never gone through the specific kinds of cultural and uh, ethnic changes that we have gone through. They've always been together. So there's never been a separation. And when there has been a separation, it's been a clean separation amongst them. When they have a, 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 a war, they go to war by themselves, okay, because there's no, there's no outside intervention. Now, in terms of the blood sacrifice, my problem is, see, black people want to talk about magic, but they only want to talk about it from this quote-unquote white man's civilized perspective. And so it becomes a problem where the white man, he do his rituals. He kills his animals. Mm-hmm. Why is it a problem that you got to get to some kind of consciousness where you feel like you don't have to kill something? Like, I don't understand that when people start talking about, like, if you're a vegan and you say, well, you don't, I only eat vegetables or I only eat plant life, how do you justify that in the concept that the plant life has, if not it's not just as a, either a higher consciousness than the chicken. Because the chicken, outside of just being a chicken, what does he do? He doesn't really do too much for the environment. He's not a custodian of the environment. He doesn't make sure, like, if he don't live, or the certain trees don't, don't grow or something, like bees or something or another. So my point is, how is it that, that the vegan it makes it so that they can, you can pick these, these herbs out the ground or off this tree or this fruit, and you have no ritual... Uh, 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 to, to uh, exercise in terms of even pulling this thing off this tree. And we know that the tree is conscious. It feels every time you touch a leaf. So you could pull fruit from him, but you don't have a ritual to engage with him, but it's okay in terms of a ethereal consciousness that we don't need to kill nothing. So you, you could kill animals. I mean, you could kill plants, though. Like, please explain that to me. Well, I guess even inside my understanding, my overstanding and understanding, even when looking at the different life as comparing to flesh, 
as actually comparing to to something such as fruits and vegetables. We look at this as, I mean, I look at it, and as I have been taught, I look at this as being fortifying. I mean, even with looking at meat, I think it's actually proven that meat it, meat is and can be a detriment to our body. We, from what I understand and what my research has provided me, our digestive system wasn't made to consume meat. So if you know if there's something you want to provide meat other than that, what I want to know is how is okay. So you're saying that meat is detrimental to the body, but so is everything else. The air you breathe, the water you drink, it all is eventually tearing down the body. And so at some point you're going to die. The shell is not impervious to life. It must wither away one way or the other. So I'm trying to figure out is how is it that whether or not to eat meat, what does that have to do with spirituality? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be preserving life? It would be preserving life or taking, and, 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 and like I said, this is in my opinion. This is in my definition. It would be preserving life, taking time and not actually killing something. And, and as so far you don't as kill we, something even, when you plant vegetable out of the ground? Even, even when you say planting something, I, I have grown an, orga- an organic garden, and from what I'm understanding, we are to do this. To, this is our food. Like I said, if you can provide me the question. So you're saying that the, the plant, whether it's an herb, a vegetable, a fruit, you're telling me that it has no consciousness, that it's not alive. No, I, I, I definitely didn't say that, but I, what I'm saying is the consciousness is specifically made for my food. If I, if, okay, if, if, hold on, hold on, hold on. Consciousness is made for your food. Mm-hmm. Are you aware that plants exhibit communication to, amongst one another, that they exhibit empathy for not just plants but all living beings? See, I, see, you need to watch a movie called The Secret Life of Plants by um, these, these scientists. And Stevie Wonder did the, uh, the musical score for it. Okay. Where they, they show you interactions with plants that give you an understanding that the plant is highly conscious, maybe more conscious than everybody because the plant is our ancestor. He was here before the animal. So what I'm saying is when you say to preserve life, how do you then in the same breath say, well, I eat vegetables and I eat fruit? So that that, that consciousness is, is negated because, oh, well, it doesn't share the same type of flesh that I have. There's another book that's called uh, the Cosmic Serpent, and it's about this this, this white uh, anthropologist who did some research, and he was studying about ayahuasca. And in his study, he found out about taking ayahuasca that he became connected with the forest. And as he became connected with the forest, he had an experience with a tree where the tree explained to him that the veins in the leaf were just as important and as painful to him, to the tree, as he, his veins in his body were. So that Every time you touch the leaf, the plant feels that, and it feels beyond just the touch of the physical because they have a strong consciousness. So please explain to me how is it that you can now, with that understanding, say that, oh, well, I don't kill chickens because I'm preserving life, but I'm going to eat these veg- these spinach. I'm going to eat this spinach, and I'm going to eat this carrot. Well, like, I, I, well, I would just add on by this, by even saying a natural thing. Like, even when we see animals, like, there are animals that eat other animals, definitely. But the majority of animals that I know of, they, they kind of eat from grains and they eat from grass and, and, and things that, that the sun feeds, 
okay? And, and I'm looking at these things as being some things non-detrimental that we can get our, even with photosynthesis, that the, that the sun definitely feeds to fortify our bodies in order to facilitate a, a well-being life. Now, I'm not sure if you got other people that feel like they can eat a big plate of, of dog meat. They eat whatever, bro. Like now, that's what I'm saying. Now And nowadays, the meat that we are eating is genetically modified. So even when you all were talking about, you know, the condition that we are absorbing as even with homosexuality, I would, there was a queen on uh, 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 about a month ago, and she specifically was talking about that. Um, she was on the KTL, and she was talking about all the hormones and all the, the genetically engineered uh, stuff that's going into this meat. So now would definitely be, now this is in my opinion, now, now would be the definite time not to take that route as, as a route, you know, in, in talking but about I do, that. I do not listen to anything that I've been saying in the last hour, brother. Like, my tradition is based on organic eating. We buy our stuff from a farm. We don't get it out of the store. Purdue don't bring the chickens to my ceremonies, and then we kill them, and they got hormones in them. If you want to talk about eating organically, my tradition offers that in a very culturalistic way. Okay? Any one of the young girls, matter of fact, I, I saw a priest putting something on Facebook the other day where they were complaining that these new age priests were doing ceremonies and they weren't plucking the chickens. Okay? Because it wasn't feasible to them. And so what I'm trying to say is, my bottom line point is, I don't understand how the new age consciousness person talks to this vegetarianism as a means to, uh, to omit sac- blood sacrifice. Like, I don't understand it. You cannot tell me that the tree is not more conscious than the chicken. So, hold up. The tree okay. has more consciousness on the shrimp that, first of all, his very existence offers to mine. He, as he omits carbon dioxide, I omit, I mean, he omits oxygen, I omit carbon dioxide. We need each other just for his existence, right? Then he bears fruit. And he bears fruit for me, and that allows me to understand the seasons. I know what the time is based on the fruit of the, of the tree. A chicken will be nothing more than a chicken. He will peck and find worms to eat and ruffle his feathers, and that's it. His very existence does not offer anything to mine. So please explain to me how is it that you compare apple, you're trying to compare apples to oranges. Like, I don't understand that. Like, that's a very... Weak point that most people who do not want to do the work because they say, oh, you know, that's why the 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 the, the, the title of the of the show is talks about how are you going to have a bloodless revolution. These are the same people who think that they're going to win their freedom through a book. You're mistaken. If you do not sacrifice something, every other culture, the women and the mothers will they they, they urge their sons to go and fight for them. They put the the, the, the the sashes around their sons and their husbands, and they tell them to go off the battle. Black women in this society have been taught to teach their sons to be faggots. Oh, don't do that because you know the police going to lock you up. And don't do that because they might shoot you. But there is no accountability for the fact that some people are worried and are meant to do that. Okay? And so the same mentality of, oh, well, I'm going to put on sandals and I'm going to be all kumbaya about the world and hope that we're going to raise the consciousness of the world and white people and then they'll free us. That's a lazy, lazy, unaccountable 
uh, uh, position on terms of revolutionaryism in this country, especially for black people. Okay, and I and I find I come into contact with people who say, "Oh, well, you know, I'm a vegan and I don't feel like a chicken should die and all of this." Like, what are you talking about? So if you can't kill a chicken, how is it going to be when the revolution comes and y'all talking all this black power stuff and they give out the guns? You gonna say, "Oh, I can't shoot that white lady." And 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 I, and I feel you, bro. But I, I, the thing is, I'm speaking from my heart, bro. And 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 to to get to understand me, overstand me, and understand me, I would want to talk to you because. Even when it comes down to that, like I said, I don't feel like I would have to. That is just and, and because I, I got guns here, but I don't plan on using them, bro. You understand? I don't. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to. I don't want to resort to that. You understand? I could, but that's not my. Even when we talking about fourth dimensional, fifth dimensional, that's not my paradigm of feeling like I have to. You know, and this is what I learned through Medunetia. Understand? Even when we're talking about the Orisha, the Medu Neter is just like the Orisha, okay? And and and, and even with, I, I can't forget about that because I've been taught too as, as my priest. So even when, when these things have been transcended upon me, uh, I, you know, even when you're saying you're discrediting that, I could definitely do the same to you, but I wouldn't want to do that how? because how? I'm definitely how? respecting how? you, bro. How? You don't speak Metaneta. First of all, you don't speak it. You don't know anybody who has ever performed a ceremony in any of the ancient ruins that you necessarily go to visit. You have nobody to connect you to this culture that you have adopted. I speak a language that when the Yorubas from Nigeria hear it, they, they attribute it to being a 12th to 13th century language, okay? They still remember the language that we speak over here in the diaspora. So that, that means that, they, that my spirituality is connected back to people thousands of years ago based on genetics and conversation. You're talking about a bunch of people who went to a graveyard and started to make a hypothesis about who was in the graveyard. That's what they did. So that's number one. That's number one. Number two, you can't tell me about no Metaneta when the when the the, the, the commissions were always at war. So what the hell are you talking about? What do you mean? Like that doesn't even make sense, brother. You're talking about this this kumbaya mentality about a people. Well, I, I don't believe people what you're saying, bro. Like, at the end of the day, the same way you down talk Bobby, I don't believe. Like I hear your ego. So I, I mean, the same way you down talk Bobby, I hear the same shit in Black you, man. Bro. Black man. So, so Black man. Black man, my uh, name, hold up, let me explain something to you. I have no special titles. My name, is, brother Oba Oba is the name that my mother gave me. My mother was a practitioner. My grandmother was a practitioner. Everybody in my family is a practitioner. Seventy-five percent of the people that I know socially practice these traditions. Let me say that again. I'm not dealing with people who wear funny clothes who are trying to adopt a, a, a time and an era. What I put on it makes me who I am regardless. If I got on a baseball cap, I'm a Lukumi practitioner. Let's understand that. So there's no ego when I'm telling you what I am. I didn't necessarily look in a book to figure myself out. This is who I am. I'm three generations, now four generations, because i got a cousin who got a son who's initiated in these traditions, okay? And so what I'm telling you is I can go to Cuba right now with a broken Spanish and speak to people based on the Lukumi language that I understand, and they will be able to communicate with me. You cannot go to Egypt tomorrow and speak next to anybody that's from that nation, and they will be able to respond to you. So please explain to me how that is a culture. And 
And what I'm talking about, Bobby, yes, I'm going at Bobby on the strip of his ignorance because he sat there and gave those lectures about stuff that he had no... To, he had I, no, ain't, no, I ain't got no problem. I, I ain't got no problem you with it. You ever see me on a DVD talking about Masonic lodges because I am not a Mason. Let's be clear about that. You have never seen me on a DVD or in a conversation talking about uh, Gemetics uh, or Kabbalah or any of these things because I do not practice that. I am not an expert in that. What I am is I am a local me priest. I was born one. My mother was, my grandma was, my uncle was, my aunt and my other uncles are, my cousins are, everybody that I damn near know. My girlfriend is a priest, okay? I'm sitting in the house of priests right now. When and we just been doing the ceremony before I got on the phone for, for, to, to talk to the people. So please explain to me where ego comes in when I'm talking about when people are using my religion and the words out of my religion to qualify nonsense. Oh, you know, that's such and such. I shade that. So it's, and then you're going to try to tell me that the letter or, 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 or the commission religion is close to Yoruba. You don't even know the, the tradition. But I'm saying, obviously, obviously you don't know, bro. Obviously, you don't know, bro. Obviously, you don't know. Obviously, you don't know, bro. I don't read a book. No, I didn't read don't. a book to learn spirituality. Let me explain that to you. I was all right. conscious. Let me explain that to you. I went to ways to do it. Don't ever get that twisted. When you... I'm not the one that, I didn't find myself because the God bodies told me that I was God. Let me explain that to you. I was born Oba Olukayote. I was born that way. When I was born, they brought down, there were ceremonies that were done for me. Let me explain that to you. So, no, I didn't read about this. It's ego, bro. not of his ego, man. That's ego. I Doing those rituals or doing whatever they did 
which is, in my opinion, why I think you have the modern-day traditions that's still intact, and you have other traditions like Islam that came about. But um, I wanted to uh, ask the brother, what what is the difference between, like, I, I came in kind of late, so I don't know if you said it before, before I got on, but what's the difference between Orisha and Lois? And the second part of the question, is it, because I've heard certain things, is it true that you can have Lois incarnating and being on Earth in human form or so-called beings that are half-human and half-gen in a physical form? Okay. Orisha is only the word that is used to, to describe the divine uh, properties of God based on the the, the uh, locale of the people that are in that dialect. Okay, um, so it's like I give it just to give you an example. It's like boots, Timberlands. Like so, some place they call they they might only know them as Timberlands, right? But there's a special kind, and we call them Chucks. And so the Chucks, if you went someplace else. You're talking about the same thing, but the dialect is different. So you're talking about essentially the same thing. You're talking about a work boot, but this is a specific kind of work boot. So you're like, oh, I got a pair of chucks on, and you go someplace else, and they don't know that, that euphemism. They're going to be like, what's he talking about? And then once you describe, like, oh, they're like, oh, boots. Oh, yeah, we call them tens, right? And so you, it's just a matter of dialect that, that changes. Now, how they change the, the appropriation of, of the Lao as versus to the Risha is based on, again, environment. If, if, for instance, one deity in one space has access to um, a certain fruit and in another locale it doesn't, then it ceases to use that fruit as a means of appropriation, okay? So what happens is that in... The Lao come the Lao come from Dahomey, which is now present day Republic of Benin. So they have the Orisha, but because they have their own dialect and their own environment, the Orisha takes shape in that. So I'll give you another example. Today a lot of Mexicans are being initiated into these traditions in places like Arizona, Texas, California. So what happens is as I go into the Botanica and they have these statues of Orisha, the Orisha are starting to look more and more mestizo, like Mexicans. Now, as a black person, I feel the way, but at the same time, I have to understand because God looks like you. So anytime you get a hold of God, I don't care if he was black. If he was black, after a couple of generations, he's going to look like whoever's sitting up there preaching. So with the Lao, the Lao are the same as the Orisha. It's just they're in a different locale with a different dialect. Okay? In terms of them manifesting themselves on earth, we have uh we have uh, different conduits for that and what we have is possession. And so in possession we call the deity down on the person who is the vessel to possess this actual energy, the Lao, the Orisha. And then the deity will possess the person. And based on their behavior we know that there are certain things that the deity behaves a certain way, and so now we're aware that the deity is present. 
But now the deity will do certain phenomenal things to assure us that this is not a normal human being in this vessel, that this is now something supernatural. So they might do things like eat glass or try to uh, perforate themselves with, with, uh, with blades, or they may do uh, commit feats of strength or do different things that of danger that one wouldn't do in their conscious mind. So this is how the deities are able to descend and, and interact with us. Okay? So now in terms of them coming down into humanoid form, I have never experienced that. Does it happen in Africa? Probably. Does it happen in other places? Probably. I'm not going to sit here and lie on you on the phone and tell you that I've seen somebody materialize into flesh in front of me. No, I've never seen that. Now, have I seen beings that have been apparitions? Certainly. I've seen things that my eyes could not deceive me, like shadows that... There was no reason for a shadow to be there. There was no object for it to create that. Or oh, I've seen a person that stood in front of me, and then when I looked again, they weren't there, certainly. But in terms of materializing flesh, no, I'm not going to lie and tell you that I've seen that. Is it possible? Sure, a lot of things are possible. I've not come in contact with that kind of a phenomenon. But I'm sure there are people who've had that experience. Okay? Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Indeed. Thanks, brother. No problem. Good questions, too. Peace. Thanks. Peace. Peace. Okay. We have about eight minutes left. I want to get as many people in as I can. Call her from the 917-403. Call her from the 907-403. Call her. Peace. Oh, come on. Peace, 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 guys. Peace, peace. Oh, no, I just listen in because it's some powerful information. I'm just absorbing all the energy and hopefully reflecting no back doubt. to... Everybody, because there's some bombs being dropped right. right there, some nuclear fusion. What are you going on <laughs> right I'm going to put your phone back on you. You know, definitely share the program with your friends and your family and your loved ones. It's definitely some information that we need to spread and get out, all right? Oh, yeah, definitely, guys. Indeed, bro. Peace. Call up from Peace. the 862754. 862 Call up. Peace. 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 Caller from the A62, you there? Oh. Yes, now, okay. I got a Skype caller. I got a Skype caller calling from the 111. Skype caller from 111. Caller, peace. Call her from the 111 with the block number or the Skype number. Peace. Your phone is live. You with us? You. You. I'm sorry, y'all. That main dude got me a little hype. It ain't even like I don't like the brother. Hey, come on, man. We got to get with the programming. We're talking some revolutionary stuff, but they don't want to kill a fly. Like, come on, son. That don't even sound right. Huh? I got one more caller. Let me um, let me go to that. Wait, let me go back to that 111 because I think I heard somebody come on. One more chance for the 111 caller. 111 caller, you there? Yo, you, you can hear me? Yeah, peace. We can hear you. Peace. Ta-ta. Peace. 
Information is going to inflame some things in some people because people are holding on to their doctrine. They're holding on to their understandings. And we can't expect everyone to get certain things on the first go or the second go. You know what I'm saying? If we're willing to teach as teachers, we got to be willing to stick with students because, you know, some of these brothers, I believe, are, are very good brothers. I'm with that. You know, listen, 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 man. You know me. I'm I'm a cool guy. You dig? But um, yeah. Later with that. Um, like I said, Tata, what's good? I'm good. What's up? Talk to me. I'm yeah. good. You know what I'm saying? I know you good. Everybody's good. I just, you know, I just wanted to chime in and, and, and give my support. I want, you know, you, yeah. I want you to speak very briefly on, you know, some of your experiences. The, the way that we make this real to people and personable is when we share with some of our experiences. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of these people came from the same places that we're from, but not mm-hmm. everyone has walked that we've walked. So speak on some of the things that have changed in your life. You know what I mean? And what led you here? Okay, okay. Um, I'll say, and first and foremost, um, my introduction to Oba was through KTL, you know, um, and that was what three three years ago, something like that, you know. Okay. And um, I had the introduction with, with, with Oba. And you know he he was a genuine brother. Like you know he 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 comes from the same walk of life that I came from. You know it was no judgmental thing. You know it it, it was like you said, yo, this it, it was a spiritual thing. You know and and right. and well, right. To, I, to this I don't want to cut. Okay. Hold on. But it is it's nine fifty eight. I want to make sure the brother is able to give his information out in terms of okay, his contacts. No we haven't done that tonight. Brother Oba, let's do that real quick because the brother's going to probably have like a, a minute left after that. You heard? Oh, cool, cool. No, no problem, no problem. Well, Oba, um, if contact me, they can hit me at yes. Oba O O B O O B A O L F F as in fruit at gmail.com. Okay. Um, I've been a little terrible with the email, right? But, um, I promise I'm, I'm going to be really on the email for the people because that's a lot of the ways people get in contact with me. The other thing is people got to understand. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. 
No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.